Welcome to episode 20 of the Dimensional Cascade podcast. We have reached the score. I didn't think we would, <laughs> but we managed to get there. We're coming at you from Shoreline, Washington. Uh, with me, I have... Ricky. Jesse. Tom. And uh, we're, the yes, the four of us are together for, well, definitely the last time we're talking about Warhammer fantasy battles, that's for sure. Although I guess it hasn't been called that for a long time, but it was technically technically just Warhammer. But wasn't it, it Warhammer brackets the game of fantasy battles? Yeah, probably something close like that. brackets eighth edition. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> ISBN zero nine zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this episode, uh, we're gonna have a slightly different format than what we normally have. We will still have the pit. Um, however, we will be using the Age of Sigmar rules for our combatants. And uh, in, in honor of that, we're going back to our very first pit, epi- uh, pit episode, which was um, uh, Skarsnik versus Belagar. And uh, we'll use their rules now from, from uh, Age of Sigmar for that. Um, and then we're going to talk about, uh, of course, the release, um, the rules that are online, the battle scrolls or war scrolls or uh, whatever type of scrolls they're called that come with the uh, compendiums showing all the new armies. Um, We'll talk a bit about some of the hobby challenges. Um, I know we've been talking about the curse of round bases for quite a while since they were rumored, and we'll talk a bit more about that. And mostly we're going to rant and rave a bit about Games Workshop and and what's awesome and what's um, awful. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so... And where do we go as a whole, where as a go? community yeah. from here? Yeah, how does it affect Masters? How does it affect, uh, you know, the tournament scene? How does it affect casual games? Uh, there's, there's This is pretty devastating in terms of, um, of in terms of what happened. Now, it could be devastating... And devastating or liberating, however well, you want to see it. Well, I the way I look at it is, you know, the... the the meteor that hit the Yucatan Peninsula and wiped out the dinosaur dinosaurs was devastating for them, but you know, awesome for mammal life, mm-hmm. liberating so, for the mammals. So uh, they lost the baggage of their lizard overlords, just as we get to leave behind the baggage of Eighth Edition and Swedish Comp and all of these things that have been hindering us. All right, so this no, is going to be a debate episode, uh, by the way. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be <laughs> Tom and I throwing things at each other, I think. <laughs> All right, so uh, without any further shenanigans or ado, why don't we roll right into the pit? The pit. The pit. The pit. Belagar Ironhammer is the king of Karak Eight Peaks, an ancient dwarf hold long ago besieged and overrun by Skaven and Night Goblins. For centuries, his clan were forced to wander, until at last Belagar's army gained a foothold in the above-ground fortifications. From here, he constantly launches forays to break the stranglehold of the greenskins and ratkin that muster in the darkness below. In battle, Belagar is a force to be reckoned with. Hammer in hand, he summons the wrath of his forebears to steal his sinews and guide his aim as he pummels his foes into a bloody... Ruin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Skarsnik, what you got? <laughs> Skarsnik! He's <laughs> the chieftain of the Crooked Moon Tribe, the most powerful night goblin in the world's edge mountains. 
All the surrounding greenskinned tribes acknowledge Skarsnik's overlordship of the peaks and valleys and upper levels of the ruined dwarfhold of Karaki Peaks. Okay, so Belagar. Belagar. Oh my god, I can't I can't say anything about Belagar without going into his voice. Um Belagar uh so let's um this is i guess going to be a little confusing if you haven't yet read the rules but the chances are if you're listening to this podcast you're into warhammer enough that you've read the rules already so or at least read other people raging about the rules enough to know what the substance is yeah for sure so um let's talk a little bit about the changes so first off he's now got four inch move instead of three inch which is in line with all of the other dwarfs Mm -hmm. um his uh he has five wounds, um, a save of three plus. Which, for it, Age of Sigmar, three up is awesome. Pretty much it's, the best save you can yeah, get. Yeah, and only a couple of models even have that. Yep. Um, he has Bravery 8, which doesn't really come into effect when you're a single model very often. Oh, uh, it will. Oh, no, it doesn't, doesn't, because we were doing Battleshock test wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, we'll talk a bit about that later. Um, so his abilities, so they're all still based on the same keywords that or, or items that he had in the previous edition. Um, his shield of defiance means that you have any wounds or mortal wounds inflicted upon him. So in other words, his five wounds effectively become ten wounds. Hmm. Um, although if you if you do one wound at a time, I guess it's still, he's still, still a taking a wound. Um so he can stand on his oath stone, but that's not going to do anything in this um, in the pit. Uh, Revenge incarnate, he can uh, once per battle um, after he's attacked, he can attack again. So that's like the doubling of attacks that he used to have once per battle. And the oath of vengeance also isn't really going to come into the pit. Um, so none of his special rules are particularly that should, good. That should work out, right? The oath of vengeance, he can use that. Oh, he can he use just it on himself. Skarsnik and then. So pick one enemy unit within 16 inches. He picks Skarsnik, and then he gets to hit again. Right, yes, because he, he himself is dispossessed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that that's pretty good. Um, so he's got four attacks. He's hitting on threes, wounding on threes. Um, he'll knock one off of Skarsnik's armor save with his rend minus one, and he does D3 damage at a time. Mm, that's a nice stat line. All right. Um, Tom, do you want to talk us through Skarsnik and Gubla? Oh, I haven't really looked at Skarsnik. Nice um, points for sure. Yeah. Okay, Skarsnik's <laughs> at move five, which is pretty standard for everything that's not a dwarf now. Um, six wounds, four up save, which is normal for heroes. Most of them run about four up. And then bravery six, um, which is pretty weedy for a character, but what would you expect from a goblin? Um, You're pretty weedy. <coughs> what? Look at these yeah. guns. <laughs> he says, wearing his pink V-neck. <laughs> Skin tight pink V-neck, though. Um, where was where was I going with this? Okay, so Skarsnik's Prada now instead of being a a magical bounce, uh, bounce a magical bounce. I've forgotten everything about Eighth Edition. Bounce <laughs> spell is that what we used to call them? Yes. Okay, now it's a missile weapon which has a fourteen inch range. Gets D6 attacks from that that hit on a 4-up and wound on a 3-up with minus 1 rend. So yeah. that's solid. Skarsnik's obviously better, just going to hang back. It was, yeah. yeah. Now, well, it doesn't not, even not need necessarily because the old one was a, was a bounce spell power level 5, but it did D6 
wounds with no armor save. So you only get rend one on this. It's not going to do a lot. But the d6 attacks is nice. But I still think the the old spell would do more. Mm-hmm. So, well, here's and the thing. Longer range. So so keep going um, with his melee weapons. Okay, his melee the the prodder in combat. Um, he can do four attacks with that that hit on a four up, wound on a three up, minus one rend again, and then gobbler's kind of a beast now, with four attacks. Four up, three up to hit and wound, minus one rend, but D3 damage per mm-hmm. wound. So that's nice. Yep. Um, and then his special abilities, he's got these sneaky traps. I don't know if that will come into play. Maybe it will. He can retreat and lay some traps that might do a wound to an opponent Does, while he's uh, retreating. Yeah, a mortal wound. So he could he could retreat from Belagar, lay a trap, and then prodder him. Yeah, <laughs> he could. Why not? It's very well, goblin Oh, you can't shoot if you retreat? Okay. We'll go through some of the rules as we play. Yep. And then he's got the down in one rule, which is if you roll a six when rolling to wound with Gobbler, it ins- inflicts d6 instead of d3. Awesome. Well, that's very nice, because you've got four attacks, so you could potentially do you know, 2d6 wounds quite easily. Um, and then his mm-hmm. command ability, so each each character that's eligible to be a general now has a command ability, and Skarsnix, which was the bane of my existence in a couple of games that I played against Ricky, is the Warlord of the Eight Peaks ability, where he can pick a Moon Clan unit within 10 inches. Moon Clan is just a keyword that all Night Goblins have now. Um, and that unit can pile in and attack twice during the combat phase instead of once. Which, when that's being used on a unit of goblins who, because of their weight of numbers rules of wounding on twos, it's pretty impressive. Yep. Yeah, so. it is. Oh, and uh, <laughs> so Scarsnake also has six wounds. Um, he has six which wounds, is yeah. Good. It's going to make him a little harder to kill. Right. Um, now, because of the new rules, uh, if they do get into combat, Scarsnake can uh, use his prodder in the shooting phase Mm -hmm. and then again in the melee phase Mm -hmm. so he's going to get an opportunity to put a lot of hurt onto yeah belagar just needs to try and plus bash him with a hammer as soon as possible and attack twice Mm -hmm. actually both these models belagar can do that twice as well but uh scarsnick will get to do it every turn belagar only gets it once yeah yep Yep. Belagar's going right. to have to rely on that. So it's a little up. less one-sided than it was in the previous Definitely. edition. Definitely. Skarsnick stands a great chance now. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to try this. Uh, we got now, them unfortunately, up. neither of these characters have any of the fun rules. The crazy fun rules yeah. where we get to dance around pretending to be horses. But You can dance around and pretend to be a horse if you like. Am I playing as either one of these characters? Am I playing as these characters? Well, traditionally, you've been uh, you've been Belagar, but usually that's just been because you want to be the winning side. So. <laughs> I'll be Belagar again. Okay. <laughs> I, I just like the dwarfs. All right. So then, uh, Ricky, you're going to be Skarsnik? Uh, sure. All right. So you guys want to roll off for first turn? Yeah. So we've got them in the pit here, 24 inches Well, apart. it's whoever finished deploying first goes first. I, I've deployed. I was already I'm down. Done. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't declare that you were done deploying. Jesse deployed me first. You <laughs> might have more models in your collection, though. <laughs> I don't know what I you, do have more models you have in, in your pocket. Actually, both right these now. models are in my collection, uh-huh. so I win. Okay, uh-huh. so I go first. All right, so we'll just roll off for first turn. Oh, we'll pretend I this see. is a, a, the second battle phase. Okay, a five. A oh, tie. I've got a tie. Oh, I'm All up. Right. You All six. right, Belagar goes right, first. 
All right, Belagar moves directly eight inches towards Skarsnik. Uh, uh, no, uh, he d- no, he you're doesn't. You're doing it wrong now, aren't you? You can move four inches, and then you can oh. move, then you can run another D6. <laughs> Damn it, Age of Sigma. <laughs> I thought you loved this game. Yeah. I do love this game. I just forgot this game. All right, so what are the phases? Okay, so command ability first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm going to use that. Oh, no, so there's nobody in, in range, so I'm not going to use that. All right, I'll move four inches. Boo, boo, boo. Then I'll run six inches. Boom. All right. So 10 inches forward. 10 okay. inches forward. Okay. So oh, no. So now I'm 14. 14 inches away, which is exactly prodder range. Uh, do you have to go That's the ex- maximum distance, or is it up to. Uh, Ricky inches? can just move and prod me anyway, so yeah. it doesn't matter. I'll just go to yeah. 14. Yeah. So there's no. Um, uh, There's no movement penalties shoot. anymore, so it doesn't really matter what I do. Um, are you done, sir? I think that's all I got, yeah. All right, I'm going to move forward exactly one myota of an inch. <laughs> <laughs> to be within now, 14 inches. Yeah, because I am uh, making sure that Skarsnik, not his base, is in range. Oh, of yeah. And uh, then I will be able to prod you in the face with my prodder. That sounds. Uh, oh wait, slanishy. I forgot to do my command uh, command phase, right? Yeah. yeah oh no, you, we've we've gone past the command phase now. We're oh done well, that. you just shut up over there, <laughs> peanut gallery. Okay, so command phase for Scar Snake. It's is called the hero phase, Ricky. Hero um, phase. That's it. Hero phase. He's uh, not going to use that anyway because it's about attacking in close combat. I yeah. am going to use the normal inspired one. Okay. Um, what do I need to do? To, oh, I don't even need to. No, roll that for just that goes one. off. Yep. So I'm automatically inspired, but I'm I'm making sure, and this is key for people who play Skarsnik, that you use the <coughs> normal inspired one if you actually need to be defensive, because Skarsnik's, um, while it does it lets you ignore battle shock, it is only for your turn, not for your play, your opponent's turn. So if your opponent does get lucky and get to go for two turns. Um, after your turn, you are going to have two turns without that um, yeah, inspired. So, so you just make sure if you're playing defensively that you use the the normal inspired instead of scar snakes. Yeah. So so the inspiring presence command ability, you pick a unit from your army within twelve inches of your general, and they don't have to take battle shock tests until your next hero phase. Now in the pit, it doesn't matter because single models single never models, never but, take battle shock tests. But but it was a good chance to talk. It was. Well it done, was. Ricky. Yeah. All right, so now now I'm going to pew-pew at you mm-hmm. um, since, okay. since I have moved. Um, I'm going to roll uh, D6, D6 attacks. Many attacks I get, so D6 for that. I get four. Okay, then these hit on a four up. Okay, I hit twice. How predictable. Okay, <laughs> um, and then I wound on a three up. I got one wound on a three up. So I uh, so then that is one wound with rend one. Okay, so I'm on a four up saving. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't oh, save. You roll a three, All so right. it does one damage though. Okay, right. so you're down to four wounds. Okay, shut it. All right, All right. and, and now uh, we don't have any combat, so you go. Sir. No, no, it's second turn, and you oh. dice off to see who goes next. Oh my god, go. the craziness! Go. Three. Six. six. Okay, oh, so I'm up. So how far? We're a shade under 14 inches now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm moving four. All right. Oh boy. Then <laughs> he's gonna take the long charge. Yep. I'm gonna All take right. the long charge. Take the long because charge. why not? There's literally so no ten inch charge. So you're, gonna, 
Are you using? No, your... I think you would need about a nine inch charge now because to get within yeah. half an inch of me. Nine inch charge. Half an inch of gobbler there. Yep. Wait, let me just decide if I if I should have used my should I have used my command ability? Uh, yeah, probably not. Because more likely in your first turn you're going to use your revenge incarnate anyway. Yeah, but I could, if I do make this charge, I can get an extra attack from this command ability. So, sure. So, so yeah. I used my command ability. So shut it. Now I'm going to try and charge you. Nine inch right. charge. What's Nine inch. He gets. Oh, gone. it's a nope. five. So I don't move at all. Don't move at all. Stand where you are and go dwarf and take another prodder to the face. <laughs> yep. Yes, another prodder to the face. Okay, go so then prod me, bro. I am going to do the. Yeah, let's get stuck in this time. So I'm going to do the uh, Skarsnik's command ability. Oh, uh, he's getting Warlord stuck of the Eight in. Peaks. I'm going to then go ahead and move forward five inches. All right. So we should be about four uh, inches, four away. inches apart. Yeah, yeah. Four oh, he's going to charge him. Yep, yep. And now and I'm first. going to go to the shooting, shooting phase. I'm going to pew pew you with the prodder first. I do one, one. Yeah. attack. Does it hit? It nope. does not. Nope. Bummer, I really wanted to soften you up before I charged you. All right, here comes the charge, and well, he makes I'm it. I'm in. Okay. Anything but a double now. one, but it got there probably. All right. He's behind you. I'm going to get behind him just because I had the movement to do it, and it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> 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 yep. um, all right. So then we're going to go to ye old combat phase, right? Yep. yep. Um, so we don't need to pile in. Um, I have a two-inch range on Skarsnik, which I think he's right about two inches there. Yep. And uh, Gobla is... So to, to give the visual, Gobla's tongue sticks out about three-quarters of an inch off the front of the base, and he's sitting at the front of a, uh, what, 40 mil deep, 60 mil wide base, mm -hmm. and Skarsnik's in the back right corner. So um, with the two of them together like that, you know, Skarsnik actually needs the two-inch range in order yep. to get into combat yep, yep. at the front like that. All right, so... Um, because it's my turn, right, um, I get to pick which combat we do first, and then I get to go first. So I'm going to pick Skarsnik, and I'm going to attack with him first. Okay, yeah. So mm -hmm. I have uh, Seems good. Skarsnik's prodder. He has four attacks. He's going to hit on us. This is going to be awful. I hit you twice. Okay. Mm. And then I'm going to wound you on a three up. I wound you twice. Oh. A five and a six. And those are rend one. Rend one. Okay, yeah. so I've got a four up. Save them both. Uh, oh, yeah. Bollocks. All right, so uh, Gobla is part of the same uh, s same attacks. Yep. So he goes first, four attacks, hitting on fours. I miss three times. Bummer. Oh, wow. I wound on a three. I wound once. All it right. is rend one, sir. This is Gobla. This yep. is Gobla. Four up. Yep. No. All right, so that D3. does D3 wounds to you, and we round this up. So Ooh. that's going to be uh, three. three wounds, yeah. Okay, and then it halves, but round up, so, so two it's two. Wounds. So, so I'm down to three wounds now? No, no I'm down no, to two. two, two down wounds. to two. All right, let's All right. go, Belagar. Now, hang on. Um, your unit... Can attack twice. I can, but I have to let him go. You have to first. let him go because okay. I pile in it, and then yeah. attack. Okay, so he does the whole pile in and attack then yeah. twice. Right. Whereas Belagars explicitly states that he attacks twice immediately. Okay, so I think Belagar yeah. just gets to go twice in a row. Yeah, but but not this time. 
Why not this time? Um, is it? It's see. once per battle. Oh, it's once per battle. Okay. In the combat so phase, you're, you're you can attack. You're letting go with your again. revenge incarnate. Okay. Sure. Can I have that dice, Jesse? All right. So Belagar has four attacks. Oh, I'm just going to splat Skarsnick. Right. Now, how does this work? I was curious because it looks like Skarsnick's two inches away, yeah? Oh, I just pile in. And so you, can, just... you can you automatically pile in. Yeah, before. So, well, I can, if Gobbler is tongues right next to me, then I can just smack him on the tongue. Okay. <laughs> he can actually do that where he just stands on my base. Yep. Yep, nothing to say you can't stand on a base. But I would be close enough to Gobbler anyway, anyway so it doesn't yeah. matter. All mm-hmm. right, let's attack with four attacks, hitting on threes. Oh, fluffed it, Belly. Yeah, one hit. Good thing you're going to do this twice. Um, but huh? I used the um, the Oath of Vengeance, which means that every time I attack, I get one extra attack. So it should have actually been five attacks. So there's two hits, and they wound on three up. Oh, oh Belagar! Oh, Good twos. job. He's attacking right. again. You might as well right. do it all again. Let's do it all again. It. Oh, there oh, you go. And and then one more. One more. Four. So four hits from Belagar this time. Thank God for revenge incarnate. Yeah. Wounds on a three up. Ooh, oh, it's all of wounds. And it's rend one. Uh, one. Four wounds, rend one. So Skarsnik has got a four up save. So I need to get Fives. five ups. So two I saves. get two sixes, Ooh, two saves. so I take two wounds, which puts me down to Oh, these are D3 wounds each. D3 oh, wounds each. So, so if I die. roll a full six, I could just wipe Ooh, you out right you now. Let's see what happens. No. no. Uh, uh, three. Oh, three. Three wounds. wounds total. So I'm down to three wounds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Skarsnick. Time Scar to splat Snake's it back. going to pile in Scar and Snake attack piles again. piles in again. So his uh, Skarsnick's four attacks. Um, he hits you only once. He wounds you once, yep. rend one. Mm-hmm. So on a four up. Come on, Belagar. Yeah. Glory. Okay. All, right. All right. And, and now then Gobla swings at you four times. He hits you twice. All right. And he wounds you oh. once. And it's a six. So it's okay. a six. Oh, and it's a six, and which means it's a six, six wounds. If I don't save it. Yep. If. if. It's a big if, because Belagar always saves. Not this oh, time. Oh, no, he doesn't uh, say. He rolled a three, so right. this is the number of wounds. D6 oh, wounds. God. Five, five wounds. Five, so half, lost. round up, three. I'm dead. You're dead. Skarsnick oh. defeats Belagar for the first time. Oh. You see? There you Age go. of Sigmar is cool. He just <laughs> reshuffled the deck, Age man. Age of Sigmar is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they just finally reshuffled the deck. Skarsnick gets his pit vengeance. And a, and a about time, you know. I think poor Skarsnick's been beaten up enough by uh, Belagar in, mm. in the pit. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't sure. even kill him when he had Queek on his side. This is the end, my only 
So unless you've been living under a rock, uh, the big news is, of course, Age of Sigmar has been uh, pre-order released mm. as of July 4th. The mm. entire reason we had this podcast in the first place doesn't exist anymore. Yep. That's uh, the big news. It'll always exist in our hearts. <laughs> um, so we're getting, this, we're getting this podcast out uh, before Age of Sigmar hits the shelves, but if you... A few people have already got it and and uh, opened it up, and all of the contents are, are on display there. So um, we'll we'll go through we'll go through what you get with it, right? And talk talk a bit about the release. So you get the rule book, which is <laughs> four pages, four rules. pages long. Leaflet. The rules pam- pamphlet. Just the rules are what I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but it's the rules, and you also get a 96-page book of fluff. Fluff and the battle scrolls for the units that are in the, in right. the box are in there, and some scenarios are in that 96-page mm-hmm. book as well. Yep. Um, you get a couple of measuring sticks and dice and transfers and so forth like you get with uh, most of the starter sets that we've seen. Um, and then there's uh, 47 models. Um of which uh, one half, it's good guys versus bad guys, just like pretty much always. Um, but the, the bad guys are all corn-themed uh, chaos. Uh, the snooze tide of corn. <laughs> yeah. So um, while I can appreciate the uh, hard work and diligence that went into creating the models, mm. uh, man, a lot of painstaking skull placement. There's a lot of, of skulls. A lot of improbable musculature and oh. uh, and skull placement um, on those models, mm-hmm. and uh, and then on the on the side of right and good and shininess is the new uh, the new faction, the Stormcast Eternals, which wow, that's quite a mouthful. I guess the Emperor something something Gene Seed something <laughs> the Primarchs then Stormcast Eternals. Yeah, so, uh, wow, they just look so like Space Marines. I mean, if somebody told me that this was the Mark II armor for Space Marines, I would tell, mm-hmm. I would just say, yep. I mean, there was a rumor out for a while that something was coming to be the equivalent of the Space Marine, the kind of holy warrior, superhuman kind of thing in fantasy. And yeah, yeah no, they deliver no kidding. Yeah. Well, the, the nice really thing about them like. is they finally have something that matches the scale of chaos warriors mm-hmm. on the good side on the good side for a human human scale like i mean saurus were always big and things like that but um this is you know finally humans that match and kind know. of fluff wise it makes it all seem less hopeless for the good side which fantasy was always written as a kind of odd stacked against the goodies yeah kind of thing is it is it re- are they really human i mean when you when you look at the models they basically just look like angels like armored angels or you know they're they've all got little halos around them they're some kind of demi god yeah well they I'm have some part sure of sigma diablo before they made <laughs> <laughs> um and but yeah it's there's not a lot of a lot or any flesh showing that i can see no well, they have some part and of in Sigmar's fact even even like that makes them it, even when you look between like the armor segments like in the elbow pits um they have like articulated joints in there like you know like 
rubber bushing right. things. Exactly. Like, really? It looks like the rubber band. Really? The where's, power uh, the, yeah. where's just some. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, they're, they're, it's pretty obvious that they, whoever designed these was like, oh, so I'm stuck on this stupid Age of Sigmar thing. Well, I might as well make my new 40k models while I'm at it. Yeah, <laughs> quick head swap, and you've yeah. got your you've got your assault marines. Not yet. They don't even need to do the head swap. Yeah. I think they just go with them as is. Just put a jetpack on the back. Of it. <laughs> no, and no, they've got wings. They are, well, the ones some of them have wings. Yeah, but and some of them already the have others. a kind of power pack yeah. thing that looks well, like I a space marine. I think some of the some of the blood pack. angel models actually are the exact same. Their uh, their assault marines or their blessed, I think, have wings almost identical to those. Yeah, it's just so. crazy to me. Yeah. I think the lore is pretty similar to 40k too, isn't it? I mean, they're they're yeah, a bunch of superhumans that superhuman. are solely worshiping a, a godlike deity like the emperor, the that's, god king, not the mm, god emperor, the god king, the god. Mm. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. So they're half like space marines, but then also half like the knights radiant from from the, the Brandon, Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson books, books because yeah. they do like zoom down on beams of light into battle where they're needed. Yeah, and it's and, just so funny that they they keep. Trying to create their own unique IP, yeah. And every time they do, they just encroach on somebody else, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh. But then they're gonna put a bunch of copyrights on the word "stormcast" and stuff, yeah. which sounds like it could be right out of Brandon Sanderson. I mean, yeah, he's soul. He's got soulcast right mm-hmm. in there, and stormwarden. Soulcast. Yeah, it's all kind of very similar, and yeah. To say that they're not wearing shard plate, I mean, uh-huh. obviously, I, I have a feeling that whoever designed these was was probably influenced. They by, must have been. They and, must have been. You know, because they even have big hammers, like uh, like the, there's a whole character in those books that wields a hammer because mm-hmm. he doesn't have one of the magic swords. So, yeah, anyway, so they all have suitably uh, copyrightable names, he says uh, somewhat uh, dryly. Um <sighs> <laughs> There's a, a Lord Celestant, a Lord Relictor. Relictor, really? Uh, Who is like a priest or a BSB or something. It, like yeah. That. He has yeah. a big icon anyway. And the Lord Celestant mm. rides around on a on a beastie of some mm-hmm. kind. Um, what what the beastie actually The Dracoth. The Dracoth, right? So mm-hmm. it's like this flightless dragon yeah it's kind of like if you if you said design a hippogriff but use a dragon as the basis instead of a of a griffin um and you know of course they're all on round bases and oval bases so (laughs) (laughs) i I was just looking at the because i was just showing jesse the new uh figure cases that are custom emblazoned for the stormcast and the the corn and then I clicked on them to see the price tag, you know, 280 bucks for the whoa bargain. Well, I, I think wow. I think you're looking. The, I, I hope you're looking at the New Zealand. You prices, might be on the New Zealand that's site. Me a couple oh, times. Uh, there we go. Oh. Yeah, it's I'm probably still on. a bargain compared to the forty dollar dice shaker. Let's see. Okay, okay, weekend. okay. I'm back on the U.S. site. Let's see what's going on here. I think they're still they're still pretty. One forty. Okay. So, geez, those poor New Zealand bastards, huh? Oh. Yep. Jeez, paying yeah. two eighty for something like that. Well, you don't know how much a New Zealand dollar is worth. L- Kiwi, less Kiwi, way less than ours, apparently. <laughs> right. So you don't know if they're getting a bad deal. I don't know. Well, they always complain about it. So they I do complain they about it. So I assume they are. But so I'm just looking at this Lord Celestant model, kind of up close and personal, in the in the three D um, thing they've got on the website, and you know it, it suffers from I think some of the problems that have been creeping in with um, some of the Games Workshop ranges, which is 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's definitely not part of the less is more, um, aesthetic, right? He's got a really big helmet. If you look at the size of his face right there, and then, you know, he's got a helmet on top of that and then a huge plume, like the plume must be two feet tall. Um, he's got a strong neck, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of intricate work all over his stuff. And, um, you know, I think it's it's a very visually impressive model. It is an impressive model. And that can't I think be it'll be very fun to paint. Um, and, you know, you can get I think you can get away with these things when you say, oh, yeah, he's a demigod. You tell me that's a mm -hmm. de demigod. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I can buy that. I can buy yeah, that. when I first saw that model, I was like, damn, that must be the Sigma model. They must have just made a model for Sigma himself. You know, it reminds me a lot of the Mortarks that came out with the End Times. I just noticed that. I mean, just the shape of the dragon and the pose that it's in. Mm -hmm. um, it looks it looks like very similar as if it's almost the same species of whatever the Mortarks were supposed to be at some point. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's the there's the chaplain right there. Yeah, the chaplain guy, man, he really looks like a space marine chaplain. He's got the skull he's, head. I don't know everything. why he has a skull head. That's kind of dumb. Um, and he's, he's got, got bones like. Oh, he's also got all the scrolls coming mm -hmm. off, like the, the, purity, like the purity, purity seals. Yeah, like yeah. purity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, these guys have purity seals all oh, over themselves. Man. I know they're not calling it that, but uh, yeah, purity I, seals. I, I get it. They're just like you know who does buy models. 40k players uh -huh. so and you know we, which ones they buy specimens so if we <laughs> yeah. make it look like that they might actually play it well wasn't there an or argument i mean the games it. workshop's credit with all the space marine stuff coming out there was i remember there was something that hit the forums a while ago that space marine sales essentially accounted for more than the entire fantasy release yeah. line mm -hmm. yep so i mean I, I can see why they cater to it i mean when you look at the 30k stuff and and the you know the not space marines it's obvious they're trying to bring you know younger audiences and or at least they're trying to appeal to the same aesthetic that Space Marines draw people in with. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think they've succeeded at that. They even went so far as to replace the giant Space Marine statue outside of GWHQ. Uh, have, they have, they have they replaced it? Or have I they, thought so. Have they just also, a new statue in addition? As well? um, I don't know. Anyway, there's a giant golden Sig Marine outside, <laughs> <laughs> outside GWHQ. And, you know, the more I look at it, I, when you think about fantasy, there really wasn't any kind of model line that would embody fantasy or make that them was completely iconic. Yeah, everything was, you know, well, this is, you know, Renaissance era, you know, kind of empire guys. And, and, you know, it was all high fantasy, very generic, nothing, nothing stood out as an emblem. But, but as somebody um, pointed out, uh, I was reading through a bunch of rage and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and many, many tears, rage and, and excitement laments. on the internet, depending on which path you, you followed. Um, you know, at least Warhammer, when it came out, it was it was kind of like a very early derivative of Tolkien, right? You know, it was it was like a first generation um, kind of a riff on mm -hmm. on what was being done. You know, there, there it's not like um, you know, like we were talking about Diablo earlier, right? If you look at Diablo, Diablo is obviously you know heavily influenced by. D and D and all of the games that came before it uh, on the platform. Whereas you know, Games Workshop was um, you know building Warhammer was one of those uh, games that then influenced so many other games. Sure, but yeah. now there is so many other games that yeah. have very so similar. Some are more stylized and more specialized. Yeah, I can understand that they want something that is just theirs and kind of will embody this game. Yep, yep. So then on the chaos side, um, and it, I would think those models are bad. 
N- no. I mean, they're obviously space marines, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I said, I, I agree. You know, they are good killing your nurgles. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, it's not an aesthetic that appeals to me, but it is. It they're incredibly detailed and technical models. And if and you look at, there's been some leaked photos now of the the basic Sig Marine guys, but armed with other weapons, and those ones look really cool I, as well. I, I, a again, giant two-handed sword and stuff. I yeah. haven't seen the sprues yet, but I would bet dollars, a lot of money, that a lot of those models have articulable hands or hands you can chop off and replace with, you know, a bolter hand or something. I mean, I, I guarantee those models are, are built for customization because they're not snap fit, if I remember right. They're very, no, they're not snap fit. There's a lot fit. of pieces to them. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I think it's so they can reuse a lot of these pieces between... The box set and the actual mm-hmm. set of yeah of these it, dudes that they well release. There's, there's already there's already leaked photos of all the new characters and everything else coming up for the Stormcast. Well, before mm-hmm. before we now, before we get there, let's let's just focus on finishing uh, on, on the box. on the starter set. So you get the um, the Lord Celestine who rides around on the on the Dracoth that we were just talking about, and the Lord Relictor, which is the uh, chaplain looking guy. Um, three retributors. Um, are those the the angels? No, the retributors are the ones with the big giant. The guys with the giant hammers on really big hammers on. And the flying angels are called prosecutors. Prosecutors, you get three of those and two units of five liberators, Mm -hmm. and that's your that's your force of good. And then on the evil side, you get one mighty lord of corn. Um, And is he the the, he's the he has the little puppy with him? No, he's the the guy with the puppy. Oh yeah, there he is. Um, so he's got like a flesh hound. Yeah, looks like, and he's yeah, all round base. So he looks like stomping well, on a pile of skulls with a flesh pile of skulls, of course. <laughs> Again, an incredible model. Um, kind of puts me in mind of um, uh, Vlad von Karstein. Yeah, mm. there's some. There's yeah. some. Yeah, has that armor type crossover there. Yeah, yeah. Really and and it might be the paint scheme as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's all kind of drawn. Um, so if you imagine Vlad von Karstein crust with a, a chaos space marine holding a flesh hound there you go <laughs> uh it's radio you know i gotta be descriptive <laughs> um and then so the next guy after that there's a blood sec- blood secretor i yeah <laughs> these names are just the dumbest thing <laughs> ever uh, i want to go back to my uh um automatic name yeah, generator program. In there. yeah i have to put that in there I'm pretty sure that's an episode of metalocalypse i'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> yeah. the blood secretor um so he's the big demon thing, right? The mm. blood secretor. The um, secretor among them. Like bone hand. That's bad. Yeah, he's got he's got yeah, he's got one hand that looks like uh tentacle hand is kinda cool too. Looks like one of those worms from uh from Dune. But Which the, one is the but the but the skulls just coming out of weird places. I don't that's know, is that the blood secretor? I think that's the Korgoth. That's the oh. Korgoth, is it? Oh, yeah, that's the Korgoth. The blood secretor is possibly the guy with the whip hand. Oh, okay. he's a named guy. He was a named Yeah, they're all named, but the general Blood type is listed. Must be the, uh, yeah, I don't know. So they've got a BSB looking guy yeah. as yeah. well. And then they've got um, this guy with the whip who's kind of pudgy looking. Mm-hmm. Who's kind of a fatty with a big uh, yeah. st- a spike in one hand and a big he's whip in the other hand. Corny. No, he looks like he's he was nerd. He was he was nerdle and then he got turned. I think I think he is the blood secretor. He like whips people into a frenzy. Are you sure he's not the blood stoker? Oh no, he, he is the blood stoker. Yeah, that makes sense. The blood oh, secretor yeah. might be the guy with the with the big um, corn symbol on a stick. Yep. yep. 
All right. Anyway, this doesn't matter. Yeah. So, whippy so you guy. get Let's you get whippy guy. whippy guy. Five blood warriors and two units of ten blood reavers. So the blood warriors are, are you know very similar to um, the chaos warrior types. They're they look bit, like corn chosen. They do. Kinda. Yeah. They're and then the blood reavers again. It seems really weird that they would release that they would have that unit just after having released the two corn special units previously, which are very similar aesthetically. Means they're probably not going to release anything more for corn. Well, I would suspect that mm-hmm. they will create like a, a here's now all of the corn stuff as its own army. Mm. Um, all brand new models. Yeah. Blood oh. warriors, blood mongers, blood <laughs> secretors. <laughs> corn dongle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Starting to notice a theme with the new... Uh, Yep. New corn models. I'm pretty sure they're just using my uh, my random name <laughs> generator now. It's like, okay. Anyway, so that's that's the uh, pre-order that's available right now. Um, they also made available the rules, which are four pages long, and uh, the War Scroll compendiums, which are the old army books with battle scrolls for all of the models in it, or most of the models in those old armies. Um, and any ones that are not covered, there's a. It says if you have this model, use this battle scroll instead. So this for the end of life models that were mm-hmm. in there, or stuff that they never released models for. Which I was actually really surprised about. I mean, they included just about, if not the entire line of Bretonians, even though they're no longer released. Everything that they make a model Beastmen, for, they yeah, made a, everything that they didn't a model include for. units that were in the army book that they had never gotten around mm-hmm. to making models for. I was, I, yep. was, I was not expecting them to do that. I mean, it's... it's I yeah. think that's pretty cool. Well, they it's solved something. the age-old problem of what to do with uh, Sisters of Twilight on a Great Eagle by saying they're now just a Glade Lord on a, on a Great Eagle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, like, shut up. You can all stop theory hammering <laughs> yeah. what happens to the, the sisters. sisters in it all. They're the sisters are owning on the, dragon. on the dragon. Oh, yeah. And then they're, well, anyway, we'll get to that. So um, other new releases include a bunch of paints and, and hobby accessories for the uh, Age of Sigmar, including a shiny gold spray paint um, for painting up your Sigmarines shiny and gold. Or huffing. <laughs> Fancy huffing for, for the connoisseur. Yeah, yeah exactly. You get re rolls if you huff paint and <laughs> roll around on the floor, foaming at the mouth. All right. So then, on the rumor front, um, there's a few that have already started to surface based on what's coming out after this release. So, um, let's talk about let's talk about Slanesh and and the lack of boobs. Yeah, what, boobs. What? Are, boobs are banished from Warhammer for good, Ricky. What? You yeah, don't afraid so. So the I'm out. So here's I'm the extent <laughs> of the rumor right now. There's a a leaked picture that shows like the chaos star with the gods symbols around it, and there's the corn symbol, the Nurgle symbol, the each symbol. But then where you would expect the Slanesh symbol, there's this other new symbol, which is like a circle with some horns coming out of it. Horns or or you know wa- waves or, or tentacles. It, they're very ambiguous. And then the line, the sp- the teaser line for next white dwarf is something like chaos reigns, but where is the dark prince or something? Right, suggesting well, that Slanesh yeah. is nowhere to be found. That, you know, okay. <laughs> As a designer, the Slanesh was always the weakest symbol. I did not like it. 
the, just, it was just the symbol itself. Just the symbol itself. It was unbalanced. It was whatever. So that <laughs> it was they, this kind of weird uh, mishmash of the male and female. Yeah, symbol, and right? so they, you know, getting rid With of that crab claw. Yeah, getting rid of that. Fine. Let's, you know, because the corn symbol, I get it. it. You know, it's uniform. It's a little over the top, but it's uniform. It's sustainable. Stylized skull, and you, you understand yeah, it. Yeah, and like Nurgle, the, the three symbols, or the mm. three circles. Like that one. And uh, what was the other one? Zeech. Zeech is the little curly the flame. flame thing. Yeah, that one, that makes, yeah, that one's all right. So, yeah. Yeah, but... What's it going to be replaced with, right? Is the yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But well, it, it's not just the symbol going though. It, it probably yeah, means no, Slanesh as a whole yeah. is going. Yeah, I'm so sure. I'm sure it's like nothing sacred, so they're you know throwing out stuff. But yeah, but here's what here's what would be telling. I mean, the battle scrolls. Do they have Slanesh in there? Yeah, but the battle scrolls are really a patch for just the old armies. It doesn't really yeah. reflect anything about where they're going with this in okay. the future. Yep, that does make sense. Yeah. Okay. So what are the rumors? Tell us. Well, so it's, it's just a whole bunch of speculation. Yeah. Do, does anyone want to bust out their theory for My, what the new I symbol is? I, I'm going to put money on it being Cain. They're going to replace it with the because the Dark Elves have always worshipped essentially Slanesh in the first place, right? I mean, there was the whole there was in like in seventh edition. I think there was the cult of uh, Slanesh. Well, so, yeah, which was the Dark Elves. Slanesh and, is the one that like thirsts yeah. after elf souls. And with Dark and Elves kind of being ambiguous, I think they've already proven that Dark Elves are in the forces of order. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So it's totally reasonable they're going to have a, a good Dark Elf and then a bad Dark Elf. Wait, wait, wait. Dark Elves are order now? Dark Elves are order now. Yep. The only thing elves is... are, they're not Dark Elves, Ricky. They're the Exiles. So the I, think, exiles, I think there's the going to be a lot of people with Dark Elf armies who are going to want to make them you know, evil, so to speak. Mean, so. I think it has to be... I, see, this This is where I'm just... Yeah, because you can't tell me that Matt is playing for order now. Uh, apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> So I think the symbol is something to do with Marathi and Malekith because mm-hmm. it's the exact configuration of the horns that both of those guys have on their helmets. Especially with all the all attention horns. they got in, in the end times. And in the know, end splitting. times, Marathi disappears down some vortex mm-hmm. with Slanesh. Yep. Right? Ooh, so, giggity. Yeah, well, so Slanesh just like might be suckles a... her down some vortex. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> So Marathi maybe defeats Slanesh somehow or something, and then nah. comes back as the new deity. Well, you know that would be good because if you if you think about like the model ranges that are very popular for the Dark Elves are of course the Witch Elves and a lot of the like this and the Sisters of Slaughter and the and the sorceresses right the yeah they're booby enough already the, and they are they they're female and they're they are. Um, kind of fit the Marathi storyline and aesthetic you could easily see. And there's no female chaos god, right? Slanesh was the closest. All the others were always personified as male. Mm-hmm. Um, although Zinch was kind of like, you know, androgynous. Um, but, you know, I could see that. I could absolutely see them doing that and having, you know, this much more female-focused army because they've they've got one in 40K, Right. And they've never really had one in fantasy. The closest they've had is the wood elves, which are 50 50 split, and mm-hmm. the, the dark elves with their crazy. With the witch elves yeah. and sorceresses. Yeah. So I could see them doing an entirely, um, you know, female oriented force. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's interesting. Um, I, I would have suspected to see the horned rat on there if it was going to be anything. Um, but that symbol, and that's a great symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, to me, that typifies Warhammer and Games Workshop. You were talking about iconic stuff. 
but I think that's probably just because I started playing um, with Advanced Hero Quest, where you, all the enemies were Skaven, and so that was like mm -hmm. my first introduction. The Skaven to it symbol all. is classic. Yeah, gotta love that. Yeah. So, um, what other rumors are there? Um, nothing. With scenario books um, coming out. Oh yeah, we've got the, yep. it's the out, rule book coming out, which is probably mostly fluff. Eight yep. scenarios, I think, is the rumor. It's going to be eight scenarios. Uh, it's going to be a lot more book. than eight scenarios, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? I don't think... In this first book, I think eight. Well, that's coming they're out. They're going to keep developing the story and bringing out new scenarios. I thought that there was a scenario book coming out with the rule book, or the basic eight that we looked at the other day were coming out with the rule book, and then there was a whole book of dozens of scenarios that was supposed to be coming out in the next couple weeks. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the 96-page starter book has... Mm -hmm. Six scenarios. Yeah. And then there's another book coming out. I've heard it's 74 pages. No, this new book is like 270. Yeah, it's oh, big. there's a new one? There's got to be A really big one? That, yeah, it goes on pre-order tomorrow or oh, Saturday, I guess. Interesting. And it's two. It's maybe 300 pages, $74. Yeah, that's going to have to have a lot more. <coughs> oh, it's $74. That's where the 74 dollars yeah. From. Okay. And it's going to apparently be a lot of fluff to like bring everybody up to speed on what, you know, post what's end going times. on. Post-end times, how we got to this point so is it pretty safe to say at this point they're going to start taking the end times route then as far as releasing new material and new yeah. books they're basically <coughs> developing the storyline as it did with the end exactly times new books that contain story model rules scenarios self-contained scenarios and it seems like the scenarios coming out in the new book are very similar to the end times as well in that they already tell you what armies to take to some right. degree and what type of troops to take and, and special rules within so it, that's so. the main hope i guess is that i guess we'll get on to talk about balance issues in age of sigma later but the main hope will be that this book each scenario in it will contain its own balancing mechanism either well, telling you what units to bring or providing victory mm -hmm. conditions that make for balance games which is it's interesting that Games Workshop's putting so much attention, you know, with the new release and this new world and the narrative gameplay. I mean, that was something that in times tried to kind of force feed into us, but we just decided that, you know, screw that. We just played Battle Line with new overpowered armies. But, like, that was the big push of end times, right? I mean, there's this huge book at the end of the world and play these specific scenarios, and I never I never played one. I never saw anybody play one of those scenarios. We talked about it. But no, I mean, well, part of the problem was you needed to have... A lot you know, of troops. Yeah, and you needed to have $600 kits that had only just come out, right? Yeah, and yeah, a lot of yeah. them are... So, that's and interesting. Very specific armies. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what comes with that big book. Um, I think... Um, yeah, that, that could make or break um, a bunch of things because, uh, well, how about we, we, we'll get onto that in just a moment. Sure. Um, so so the full range of stuff, you know, it's, it's, there's painting guides, there's, there's paints, there's, um, there's also an app coming out, yep. um, which has been advertised, which you're allowed, it, they'll have on it um, all of the scrolls for um, being able to, um, peruse or read ahead of time i don't know because you don't need to build a list anymore um so my only my only question is they didn't they didn't uh, release the um battle scrolls for the stuff that's in the box set right that's right? going to be in this new book so it's in the white dwarf and it's in, in the, white the new dwarf, book it's going to be in the new book and they're not all in the white dwarf it's just some of them are in the white dwarf yeah yeah so 
So I don't think it's going to be a case of they're going to release the Battle Scrolls for free. Right. Well, and it could just very well be a living app, too. I mean, the, the box set officially hasn't been released yet, so it could be they're just going to update it with the new army once it comes in. Or they'll wait until all... Because I think all the Stormcast stuff should be re-releasing within a week or couple two. A couple weeks, yeah. yeah. So once, once the full line's out, I'm surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if they give it for free. It just wouldn't make sense not to. Yeah. Well, it's going to come free with the models when you buy them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the other part of it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, okay. Uh, any other rumors for news? No, Mm. we have, yeah, there's a bunch of new Stormcast stuff going up for pre-release. Apparently there's a uh, rumor I heard is a lot of Warhammer stuff going up on eBay pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) The vast majority of people I've talked to, Uh a lot uh of stuff collecting dust in people's attics and yeah. All right. A lot of people are going to make Willet Blend videos with their old plastics. I don't know. I've heard a lot. (laughs) Spent too much time on wars here. Yeah, that that place is a bad place for your soul. Warhammer Age of Sigmar puts you in command of a force of mighty warriors, monsters, and war engines. This rule sheet contains everything you need to know in order to do battle amid strange and sorcerous realms, to unleash powerful magic, darken the skies with arrows, and crush your enemies in bloody combat. They don't do themselves justice there. It's rules for sheets, not rules sheet. (laughs) Yep, so the rules uh, have gone from being, you know, the uh, hundred and some pages of the little rule book down to just four. Um, so I think it's really important to, to call out that, that this is not Warhammer. This is not what we've been playing since 1982, right? right. It's very <coughs> substantially Which different. is an important thing to remind the naysayers of, which is that this is going to, you know, this is going to, come over unfavorable if you treat it as ninth edition of warhammer mm-hmm. yeah it needs to it's be not. considered as, as its entirely own new thing it's not okay so we're going to go through um the four pages and talk a bit about uh each area i don't want to just go through and do all the rules but what we'll what we will talk about we'll give a quick overview and then talk about what we like and don't like yeah um, and on each rule we can talk about how the game plays in that area from some of our own experiences yep sounds good and theory hammering and let's preface this with saying that all of these rules are free they're published for free on their website as they update rules presumably they're going to be free as well so as far as pros go i mean that's that's a huge one we're not paying 75 dollars for that's true a giant hardback book with a bunch of rules playing with the models that we already exactly so yeah yeah, and that is true. You might pay $75 if you want some good scenarios to play A bunch with of these fancy rules. artwork, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, the very first page then, the armies. So um, gone, gone are army books. Everything has been replaced by War Scrolls. So um, I guess they chose War Scroll because previously they had Battle Scrolls, which were digital releases on the... On the iTunes store and all that sort of stuff. So it's a war scroll that describes, it's got all the stats and special rules for, for the models in the unit. 
Uh, I have yet to see any war scroll that says um, they, they, they seem to be you can have one of something, you can have a minimum of three or five of something, um, but nothing seems to say that there's a maximum. Uh, all the ones that where you can have more than one, mm -hmm. it's like there's no limit on how many you can actually have. Right, you have a minimum but no maximum. And that sounds just like all the 8th edition rule books where they took away the uh, unit limits with the big difference of now there's no points. Uh-huh. So how do you make an army? It's how do, what no do you mean? It's no longer an army. It's your collection. You, don't, what, you have a collection, right Aiden, yeah. not an army. Yeah, you don't have you, a, your you collection muster your army. is your army. Yeah. It's, it says in there somewhere specifically, your collection is your army. You, mu you must first muster your army from the miniatures in your collection. So it can be as many models as you like from your collection. And the more you decide to use, the longer the game will last and the more exciting it will be. <laughs> All right. So I have quite a few night goblins. Uh-huh. Ricky has a good collection. Um, I have a good collection of Skaven. <laughs> um, so And you've got some lizard man. Let's some throw dwarves. down. So we're really getting into the heart of the issue now. War Warhammer Age of Sigma, as it's written on these four sheets of paper, has no restrictions whatsoever. You bring as many models as you want. Yep. And your opponent brings as many models as they want which might be 50, and then you might drop down 500, Yep. and off you go, according to these sheets. But we are sensible adults, and we all know that if we're going to play a game with a friend, there's going to be some amount of discussion beforehand as to what we want this game to be. Yep. And we're going to design something that is going to be fun for both of us, and, and that I, is in itself a restriction, right? And I feel like that's the biggest thing that people ignore. They go, oh, I could go down and I could deploy 300 of this. Well, yeah, and your opponent's going to go, what the hell are you doing, dude? Or I don't have 300 of anything to match that. And you're right. going gonna to change your... I mean, you're not coming... I think the whole point of it is you're not bringing a predetermined army to the game. Right. You're bringing your collection, and it can be as much or as little of it. I mean, if I, if I go to the Games Workshop and I drop a screaming bell and a hell pit abomination and I'm playing some 13-year-old kid who doesn't have anything to counter it, you know, I, I can stop and say, okay, well, this is how I'm going to build my list or this is what I'm going to put on the table since you only have, you know, the box set contents or right. something. I mean, right. And it, so it's very definitely a, a step in the direction of social contract, mm -hmm. yep. right? Um, All the Ordo guys are going to love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so y you you cannot look at this game and say, you know, I'm going to bring my army, and if I go and play somebody in a different country or a different part of the country, um, they're going to bring their army. We're, you know, we're going to sit down in an, in an organized play fashion and have a, a balanced battle. Yeah. That that just cannot happen with the rules as right. they stand. Because there's no one number you can disagree on now. You can't yep. say this is a two thousand point battle. That should mean we're relatively even. Yes. Now you, if you want a relatively even battle. You're going to have to look at what each other have and say, all right, this seems about right. Yep. And and I think that's one of the, that's, you know, people who play competitive games and everything are going to disagree. But for the vast majority of players, I think that's a huge bone of contention with the old edition. That if you wanted to play, you know, you had to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes just to build a list. Just mm -hmm. to say, well, I need to make a 1500 point list. Well, you know, what's good? What isn't good? Well, this is what I have. This is what I should have. I mean, for people who didn't play competitively or didn't invest a lot of money into the game, it was almost impossible to even get ready and start playing because, you know, well, right. what if I bring a 1,500-point list and everyone has a 2,000-point list? 
what if I don't have enough models for a 1500 point list? What or what if, if they I have do? some models that they just nope. found at a garage sale and they thought nope. they would try and play with them and it turns out they're crap? Yeah, or what if I made this army with all this cool stuff that I liked and then found out this is all suboptimal stuff? Plus with know, 8th edition, the size of game that the community kind of converged mm, on of 2500 huge. was just really preclusive to a lot of people getting into the hobby in the first place. If yep. you know that everyone in the area who you're probably going to want to play with mm. is rocking at 2500 points and you look at what you actually need to get there it's 500 dollars if you're buying brand new right? and the yeah. time commitment yep. and then the fact that you so. could spend all that money and then you didn't get the you know flavor of the month for that army right because you maybe stuff. just went and bought all the models you really like then you rock up to your first tournament and like oh crap yeah this I mean. stuff's terrible so so on the plus side it makes casual play very easy very mm -hmm. casual very easy Point of entry there'll be yeah. a conversation and before every game and but then it's i love that good. right uh it's to me it, it has made wargaming you know assuming you have the models ready right so you have the whole as hobby aspect of the game hasn't changed you know you paint models for your hobby when you're you know you're not hanging out with your friends or or whatever but assuming you have the models ready um the game part of it now it has been brought to the level of a board game mm -hmm. right Four rule, four pages of rules, very similar to you know many board games. Many you, board games have more than four. Yeah, pages. that's true. Yeah. Um, you turn up with with those rules and your battle scrolls, and you can play. Yep. The downside is that um, it is it is very much based on a social contract. It's about sitting down and saying, "I'm going to play against my buddy Jesse. I want to have fun. We're going to have a few drinks, have a few laughs, throw some dice." move some models it is not the sort of game where you can say i want to prove that i'm the best player in the united states at this game there's no there's no way that you can take the rules well, the way you do that written. now is by having the biggest collection aiden <laughs> well that is not actually true so let's move on to the let's move on to the next part of the of the game so the battlefield um I, actually i'll just i'll skip ahead a little because how do you determine who has won Right. That that's kind of the flip side of of, you know, well, what army do you bring and how do you know who's won? So there's on the second page, it talks about glorious victory. Um, so you can claim a victory if you've killed everything that your opponent brought. There's no models left on the table. OK, pretty that, simple. That one's pretty straightforward. It's hard to claim that you haven't lost <laughs> that yep. when you have no models left. So the, the next way you can claim a victory is if you compare the number of models removed from play with the number of models originally set up for the battle for each army. So it's a percentage of how many models you have lost. And whoever, uh, if one player lost 75% of their starting models and the other lost 50%, then um, the player who only lost 50% would claim a minor victory. So it's really play till everything's dead or play till you get bored and add up how many wounds have been done. Yep. Uh, no, how many models how have, many been, models have, have been, been removed. removed. Yep. And then the third possible way is this sudden death victory, um, which is also a bone of, a, of contention or, or a sub mm -hmm. source of a lot of rage and, and uh, entertainment on the, online. So the idea here is if you've got a third, if one army has a third more models than the other, the outnumbered player can choose one of the sudden death objectives. And if they achieve that objective, they get a major victory. So it's as if you've tabled your opponent by achieving one of these sudden death things. 
Um, and those four things are assassinate. So you, you pick a unit that's a hero, a wizard, a priest, or a monster and kill it. Well, the enemy picks the unit, which makes it even harder. Right. Um, blunt. The enemy picks a unit with five or more models in their army, and you have to slay that unit. So basically the same thing, but for an, a unit. Um, endure, which is probably the most broken or abusable one, uh, which is have at least one model which started the battle on the battlefield still in play at the end of the sixth battle round. That's the exact one that I abused against Ricky in one of our games. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then seize ground is the last one. Pick one terrain feature in enemy territory. Have at least one friendly model within three inches of that feature at the end of the fourth battle round. That one seems pretty easy too. Yeah. So if you have fast stuff, if you have fast stuff, exactly. Um, although to be fair, if, uh, if you've got fast stuff and the other person just surrounds that, uh, Sure. That terrain feature, it's going to be hard to keep And if you alive. have the fast stuff, you may as well just choose and draw, and then you can run, run away, away with the fast stuff and hide yeah. it behind a building. So so gone are victory points, obviously, because there's no no points in your army anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no you know 20 nil or anything even remotely similar. Uh, you basically have to table someone or put down less models than them and and grab a sudden death. I think the sudden death table needs to be or should have been a dice roll on that table or something because why would you not just pick endure every time? Yeah, because you don't you don't have to select which model it's going to be. Right. If I pick assassinate and I've put down a few models and you've just gone whole hog and put down 200 models or something and I choose assassinate it's going to be so easy for you to pick one model put it to one side and still play against me with 189 models and completely table me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and likewise for blunt, you know, right. Um, so it's, um, I, I see what they're trying to do there. I think they're falling, you know, way short, even for, even for uh, casual gaming. I think, I think what you really need to do when you're gaming, um, you know, just with your buddies is try and figure out, are these armies reasonably balanced? Mm -hmm. You know, um, do I feel like it's going to be a fun game to face with my dudes against your dudes, right? Cool. And, that, and, that, and you said it yourself earlier, you know, it's a social contract where you have to agree on this stuff or decide to have fun. If you're saying, I'm going to play Endure and keep one model in the corner of the table, well, what kind of fun game are you really, you know, creating at that point? Right. But my the I guess the point is... Um, you know, if you think of the two ends of the of the spectrum being, you know, um, you're you're literally only playing for shenanigans, and you don't really care about the outcome. It's something to do while you drink and eat snacks. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum is, um, you know, the pure competition, um, thrill of the win. You know, you want to um, uh, play the game because you want to be tested intellectually. Um, and you're willing to, to go to many lengths to do that, um, you know, it's very much skewing towards that first side. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, to so the maybe point GW where has figured out that there's a lot more people in the country who fall on that first side and that all they need to do is sell a game to them. Yeah. Um, the, I think the, the point that somebody brought up though, that I think is a good one is Warhammer, uh, was like the eighth edition of Warhammer or previous editions, I should say, um, were, were kind of the meeting point between those those two ends of the spectrum. Well, 
maybe we want to get into that later but i would i would actually argue that that's not the case and that you know we as a community had to build so many extra things into warhammer to make it that game of balance and competitiveness that i don't see age of sigmar as being too far off i think people just forget how much development and work went into balancing warhammer within the community um I, so i think that's <clears throat> partially true um i like if you if you want to say that it was uh, a, a balanced game that was great for tournaments and and very competitive the answer is no it's not unless you add in all the swedish comp and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff but it was a game that you could play in an organized fashion at a tournament somebody could see a poster and turn up and know what they had to do to play there but think about all the other modifications that went on as well warhammer 8th edition straight out of the book you were supposed to roll for a scenario every game and no one ever did that. The Watchtower was never used. Most of the other ones were never used. Warhammer straight out the book, you were supposed to roll mystical scenery for every single thing on the board. Nobody did that. There was a whole bunch of community yeah. modifications that kind of just That's became true. accepted and then started to feel like a part That's of true. base basic Warhammer. But they weren't. We changed it a lot along yeah. the way. And I think yeah, the same will yeah, just happen with Age of, of Sigma. That, most of those that you're saying, Tom, those were omissions. And it's easier to take something out that the community doesn't agree with. So it, take sudden death out. It's hard to <clears throat> add in things. But yeah, you could just say sudden death isn't in, but it's hard to add things. It because is hard then to it add becomes, things. Because then it becomes what that particular person wants their idea of the game sure. to be. And, so I don't think you need to add. You can take out sudden death, take out summoning, and then what do you need to add? Only some composition system. And we already did that with Warhammer anyway when we wanted to play competitively. So, well, let, let's uh, so let, let's get back onto the rules. Sure, I think that's a, think sure. that's a good point. Um, so, so we we've put down an army of some sort. <laughs> okay. Uh, we all have models on the table. We all have models on the table. Everything's still measured in inches. Um, the game um, is still played on a battlefield, but now. It's uh, any size that's bigger than three feet by three feet. Um, so it doesn't have to be six by four anymore. Um, there's also a, a rule where it says you should decide which of the seven mortal realms the battle will take place. Um, yeah, I saw that, but then did... There's did no it, reason for deciding that. It didn't that, actually so show... Just... It didn't actually give rules for any no. of Well, those, it, it says in there, sometimes you'll need to know this in order to use certain abilities. So I suspect that will have that'll mm. come with later with model okay. releases with the new models for sure. When scenario packs start coming out, do I right? Think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get to put down scenery, and again they've got you know random scenery. Um, it tells you how many how many terrain features to put down for every two foot square, and each one should be mysterious. But it's a much smaller table, and right. and. The big difference is now that that if you don't make them mysterious, all scenery is treated exactly the same way, hmm. right? Yeah. So the difference between a wall, a forest, a building, a river, there are none. Although that's not strictly true, because there is a whole battle scroll compendium for scenery, and in it you have things like walls and fences. So you could put down a wall and fence and just say, we'll call it scenery, so you just have this random table ability. Or you can say... We'll use the battle scroll rules for walls and fences for this piece of scenery, and then it has its own little set of rules. Right. Um, so 
that's actually not a bad idea if you you print some of those out and yeah. pop them down beside it. Exactly. So then there's rules for every terrain kit that GW have released, like Ricky and I were playing with the Death Knell Watch. So that has its own little set of rules. And in those rules, there's the rules for yeah, garrisoning, bu garrisoning buildings. Sure. Um, so it's not, you know, it's very deceptive as to how deep this game is because so much of the rules are on those individual scrolls. Yep. Yeah. And if you didn't know to look for it. Um, right. You know, <clears throat> so um, some of the scenery. So that answers the question of around, you know, there was a lot of rage about, uh, oh, my, my unit gets... So you get a minus one, you get a, an additional uh, plus one, sorry, to your save if you're in cover. Yeah, that's um, any terrain. On any terrain. And people were like, yeah, so if I'm on top of the wall, I get I get plus one. But if I'm behind the wall, I don't. However, if you use the scenery um, scroll for the wall, it says if you're all on one side of it, you receive the benefit of the cover if you're within three inches. Right. Um, so... They are trying to make it, you know, m at least reasonably sensible that way. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so that's the scenery. Um, and then then you start the battle. And there's now three ways to set up. And you basically divide the territory in half. Each each player gets one half. You can decide between you which, which way you're going to split it, whether you're going to have it be vertical horizontal or you know some the player who wins the dice off chooses how it's set up okay so you'll throw a dice winner says and you can split it into any two equal portions so you could have a big wave shape down the middle of the table if you yeah. wanted whatever yeah. you want so if you want to gerrymander your way into getting all the scenery uh-huh as uh -huh. long as it's evenly as as split it's even. <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> Um, That's true. Warhammer gerrymandering. <laughs> yeah. <like it. laughs> We're going to redistrict this portion <laughs> of the board. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take all the outside edges and you can deploy in the middle. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so so then you deploy uh, turnabout. No, you. Uh, one person sets up their entire... No. No, one person sets up a unit and you alternate. Okay, yeah. that's right. Still the same. Um. And then um, inside this, sorry, we're on the same, we're still on the second page here. The general, the, randomly the rule for the general is there. You nominate who your general is. Um, it has to be someone um, ha who has a command ability. No, it doesn't have to be. No. It can be any model. Right. So, And then this is after you deploy as well. So you can deploy and then say, all right, that dude. Yeah. And in fact, uh, Carl Franz, um, he has a special rule only if he is your general. Mm. So the choice of general is actually pretty important. And a lot of models have command abilities and they only get to use those if it's your general too. So oh, interesting. So you can take a whole range of heroes that have different command abilities that might be useful in different scenarios. And then you pick the guy who's one is going to be most useful in that battle. Yep, yep. Yeah, because you're not constrained, right? You know, previously uh, you you brought all of your ogres because you were, had an ogre kingdom's army. Mm -hmm. Now you can bring some ogres, some um, orcs and goblins, some whatever you've got painted, whatever you want to play, right? And an eighth you would write on your list which one was the general as well. Yeah, um, that's very true. Yeah. 
So are you restricted at all between order and chaos? I mean, it can't nope. be can't be. There's four grand chaos. alliances, right? And I'm sure almost everyone who writes their own comp system will say you get to pick from one of those one grand of alliances. Four, yeah. But in the actual rules, there's nothing. It doesn't have anything that, that says yeah. that. And and that's what I've seen so far. We can talk a little bit about comp systems sure. that I've seen so far. Um, a little later towards the end. Yeah. Yep. So so then we covered off the victory conditions already. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, there's also a special rule like if you if you won a major victory in your last battle, um, you roll a dice and you get a bonus for the game. That is just the weirdest, dumbest rule on the whole well, sheet. That's I mean, I think it's fine if you're playing with the same opponents. You no, it's not this, because like, you just beat somebody and then you get a, get bonus, a bonus to beat them again. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just classic reward the winner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so then on to the meat of the game. Um, you play in rounds doesn't tell you when you end other than when you decide you end or everybody's dead. Um, so there's six phases now. First is your hero phase where you, that's where you cast your spells and use any of your command abilities or heroic abilities. Then there's movement phase, then shooting, then a charge phase, um, then the combat phase, and then a battle shock phase, which is um, equivalent of, of, or similar to break tests or panic tests mm-hmm. from, the, from the previous edition. So off the bat, that's starting to look a little more 40k-like in terms of the the layout of the turn, the is fantasy-like. It? Because I, in, in 40k, you move, shoot, assault, and in the assault, that's, you get to make a charge move again. And interesting. Fight. Okay, because I so only ever... It's a little more 40k-like. The hero phase and, and the battle shock phase, I look at these and they, they very much look like um, War of the Ring. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I've never played War of the Ring, yeah. so... Yeah, and I think uh, Alessio wrote that, um, mm-hmm. and then he left Games Workshop and wrote Kings of War, uh, which also has a you know very similar kind of phase mm-hmm, layout. Mm-hmm. So, so the hero phase we talked a bit about that already. You you use anything that uh, is says is to be used in the hero phase, which is spells, um, any hero abilities that that kind of trigger in that phase, mm-hmm. um, and you can use your general's command ability. Then, movement phase. So let's talk about magic. Actually, see where we're in the hero d- phase. Talk about all the phases first, and then go into particulars. Okay. I'll just talk yeah, about the. We can get into the particulars of the hero phase if you want now. Oh, I don't care. Um, I really I like the hero phase. I think it's a nice addition. Yeah. And it leads to some of the, some of the kind of more strategic elements of this game, which is there's a lot of kind of bubble abilities and range based abilities. Phase that doesn't scale well. Um, yeah because you only get the one one command ability and that just to me like you know it kind of feels like magic in eighth where it just it was still good but it just didn't really scale once you get past a certain point like it's true and especially with your general you know the inspire only like yeah you can inspire one unit each time arsenic is 10 inch you know so it's i have the tiny little bubble so if i have a huge army uh, I'm not getting to use that, you know. Right. It feels to me that's the part that just feels like it was. Sure, just, it can feel it. Yeah. Probably feels about right in a kind of sixty modelish game. Yeah. Sixty seventy, where you know you're gonna have a few units close to your general. There'll be a little tactics in choosing mm-hmm. which one to use an ability on. But yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there are other units that have things they can do in the hero phase. Sure. There's a bit, there's other abilities, just yeah. only one command ability. Only one command ability, yeah. Okay. Um, so, in terms of, like, the spells and stuff now, there's no longer any... Um, there, there's basically every wizard has two spells that, mm -hmm. that come in the game. Uh, one is basically a zap. Yeah. Arcane bolt. The other is mystic shield, which... Um, gives you a bonus to your saving throw and then the third spell they have is usually on their battle scroll right um, and each wizard can cast just one spell per turn other than very powerful ones who have it written in that they can write more yep cast more than one like aslan for example can mm -hmm. cast three spells nagash can cast about 12 oh, wow something like, i don't know maybe like eight or something yeah what is it's it pretty crazy. nine one for each book yeah, yeah. something like that <laughs> it might actually be nine um, but yeah, usually just one spell. And do, doesn't this seem like a huge overreaction to the moaning about magic being super OP in 8th edition? It, it does. Yeah. And, you know, the spells, there's not a lot of drama to them. There's not. I've, I think they're both fine. And the shield one in particular can be very useful yep. um, in a lot of different scenarios. But it's lost a lot of that flavor that came in in the magic phase. There's not there's not much drama. <laughs> like there's no tension really, right? You're trying to cast a spell. It goes off on a six. You roll two dice. Um, if your opponent has a wizard within range, um, they can try and unbind it. Although it generally, what we discovered is you generally don't have a wizard in range most of the time. A lot of because you're time. generally keeping your wizard a little back to cast with. Yep. And then your opponent's going to have their wizard where they're not in range of getting charged by a bunch of people. Yeah. So you hardly ever get game, to I shield. I didn't really have that issue because I... Oh, you've had about 12 wizards, though. Well, <laughs> four, three, three. I had three. It was just three. You know, that's the nice thing, though, is that if if you have a bunch in your collection now, if you are... <laughs> well, like, those people who took the time to paint all eight wizards from, like, an empire from you know, one wizard from every school, mm -hmm. they can throw all eight of them down and now actually have the whole college there yep. throwing some spells around. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And when you have that many, who cares if one gets killed, right? That's yeah. true. <laughs> and some of the fighting units also have the ability to unbind spells. Do they? Uh, yeah. I yeah. Um, I remember reading it on one of the characters who was like a really, okay. really fighty character could also unbind spells. Um. So, but, you know, none of the spells are, like, totally game-changing. So no. if you can't unbind them, not a big deal. Yeah, it didn't feel that way. Either. Not, not really. a big deal. Like, you might get a couple mortal wounds off, which is, you know... Yeah, it's so fine for doing the last couple wounds on a monster or something. You mm -hmm. just want to take off the table. But. Yeah. Yeah, and a mortal wound um, is one where when you wound, there's no armor saves. You don't have to no, hit. You, you don't have to hit, yeah. Or it's just kind save. of automatic wounds. Just yeah. wound. Yep. Okay, so movement phase then. So um, you move, and uh, whatever the movement is on your battle scroll, and then you you can't move to within three inches of any enemy model. So you you stop whenever you get there, and then if you want to move more than that, you can run. If you run, you can't shoot or charge later. So you roll a d6 and, and add that on and move that many inches. So that's what happened in the pit. Um, other than that, if you're within three inches of an enemy, you have to either 
remain stationary or retreat. Um, and if you're flying, you can you can fly over the enemy if you want to, as long as you end up more than three inches away. Ah, it kind of sucks that if if you retreat, you can't shoot that turn or charge. Yeah, well, charging is kind of stand kind of to be expected if you're retreating. You're probably not going to charge right back in, but you'd expect. You know, armies like Wood Elves or something would really want to be doing that retreat and shoot. You just have to not be three three inches away. Right, but this is something that allows you to escape from combat when you're in it. Yeah. Because there's nothing saying you're locked in combat anymore. So the retreat means that you've run in, beat the snot out of me. I would want to move back, especially if I'm missile troops, and then launch a volley at you. And it seems like that should be a thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately it's not. It's not. Um, but at least you can get out of combat now. Yeah, you can you get out to. of combat. Um, what I think this lends itself to, right? You know, a lot of a lot of the movement phase in, so the movement phase that we're used to was where you know eighty percent of the strategy was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of it was you've got big units. Where do you place them? How do you maneuver them? How do they reform? Um, what's in their charge arc? You know, all of the that stuff is just gone. Um, so now we have to look at, well, well, where is the strategy in the movement phase? Um, and I think th this is part of it. You know, if, uh, if something is like, I, I could absolutely see like a big long line of, of throwaway troops being able to block, um, charges because now here, here's my throwaway troops in front of you. Um, I don't, I want you to run into them. Oh, and you then, mean fanatics? <laughs> sure will waste all of your movement just circling around them yeah. somehow so yeah. yeah I think there is still they're still redirecting to a degree or at least tying stuff up yep. chaffing yeah yeah. There's a, I think there's a lot of chaffing or tar pitting that can be done um, but it's certainly not the the um, uh, I'm going to say chess match that it used to be it's not the chess match yeah Anything more in the shooting or the movement phase? Sorry. Um, no. Nope. Um, okay. What so ter terrain does it interact with moving at all? You just move only, through it. Only you just move through it. Only if there's 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 some of them. Um, say if you move through this, bad things happen. But isn't there something as well where you literally have to if you're gonna go over a wall, you have to measure the vertical distance it would take to go up and then down the wall. Yep. You have to do that. Yeah, that's right. Because it says that you can use your movement to to move vertically as well as horizontally. Um, so if you're crossing a wall, you have to factor in the inch that it takes to go up and then the inch that it takes to go down. Yep, it can be moved vertically to climb or cross scenery, but cannot be moved across models. No part of the model may move further than the model's move characteristic. Now the part that we um, kind of glossed over is um, where do you measure from on the model? Um, so now you measure from whatever the closest point is on the model, yeah, not the base. This mm. is one of the few things that I think just has to go away immediately. <laughs> yeah, mm. measurements should be from bases. Measuring from mm. models is dumb. Uh, yeah, it just makes it so hard. It's, it's just weird, and some things are not gonna even be properly in unit coherency with each other just because of the size of the bases they're on well uh, a great case in point is anything that has wings right, right? so um we were we were doing this the other day with, with um, matt's army he's got a um dark elf lord on a dragon 
The wings are all high up but far out. And so the Empire guys weren't within um, one inch until they were right up close and in the base because the wings were too high up. Um, yep. And so they had to go right in close in order to, because they're short models. Why? Because. But uh, you just measure from the model upwards towards the wing. And they've only got a they've only got a one inch close combat range. Oh, so the so swords they, were never close enough. They, to the they wing. had to get I right imagine. up right up into base contact, effectively. Or on the base. Or on the base. Um, whereas the ogres were able to just kind of you know they would be just close enough, and so the the ogres would be behind the spearmen or behind the swordsmen. Uh, I think it was hand gunners actually, and uh, the ogres could fight the dragon as well as the spearmen being able to yeah, fight the dragon. Yeah, that's really dumb. Yeah. It, measurements should be from bases. That would be the it number one thing to know. But I know they they just did it as a way to prevent having to provide us all round bases, or to have to <laughs> say what size bases things should be on. Yeah. I know they want to just say use whatever base you want. But if there's rules that include bases, then the community is going to be like, wow, oh, well, that model's supposed to be on a 50 mil base. <laughs> you know, it's not that bad. I mean, that's what Swedish did anyway, right? They had a complete list of all of the, and Masters did it too. Here's all the bases that your models must be on. Sure, but I like the flexibility to put your model on whatever base you want. Uh, if I like it too. Um, if it's a conversion or there's some reason for doing it. Yep. Um, and the way that, the way that I... Um, I would always have ruled that in the old version is it can be on this, but no smaller. Sure. Right. Because smaller was an attack, potentially tactical advantage. Mm -hmm. um, well, anyway, if people aren't going to get hung up on base sizes, I see no reason to just go back to measuring from base. No yeah. reason not to measure from bases. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the movement phase. Um, shooting. Uh, this is the smallest phase in the game. Um, <laughs> You, you, you. you pick a unit, you shoot with all of its missile weapons uh, as long as it hasn't run or uh, ran or retreated in the turn. And then after all the models in the unit have shot, you pick another one. So on the battle scroll, it's got stats to tell you um, how many uh, or what their um, range is, how many dice you roll per model. Um, so that's the attacks. To hit, to wound. To, the roll that. to hit, the roll to wound, and then, yeah, the rend and the damage, and we'll get into that with the combat phase. So it's all right there. Um, and some units have, you know, three or four missile weapons, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Thunder Tusk, for example. Right. Um, has three, and he fires all three of them. Um, and then you have the charge phase. So before you charge in, you shoot at your enemy uh, that you're going to charge into mm -hmm. to... Which, to me, makes a lot of sense. It does. And it's the same in 40k as well. Right, Jesse? That's what happens in 40k? You move towards somebody, you shoot them, then you charge them. Uh, depending on the weapon category, yeah. Okay. Every weapon's okay. got different rules. Mm, some you can't assault. I think the weapon shot. rules alone are half the size of this rule book. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so charge phase then. So this is where all the action seems to happen in this game. Uh, what did you guys find with the shooting phase? Um, was it awesome? Was it awful? Deadly? Not deadly? How did you? If find you choose it? the right models, it's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, it yeah. can be deadly. I don't feel like um, like I thought that on paper the elf shooting like wood elves looked pretty good, but uh, you know you hit on fours, so there goes half of them. You wound on fours, there goes the other half, and then you like you know playing Tom, everything had a four up save. So I was maybe getting one wound through, yep. two wounds through, 
So you got to have and, you got to have that weight of numbers, right? Again. Yeah, right? you're gonna. I mean, really, if you want to play an elf and shoot, you're gonna have to have just tons of it. Yep. Because you don't get those things like. Um, and, and yeah, there's rules where like once per game you can say I have rend three, things yeah. like that. But it's still, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had better shooting when went first and took out a whole unit. Well, that's my he, thing. I targeted your shooting unit yeah. first because I, w- I didn't want any return fire. Yeah. Flamers of Zeech are pretty devastating. Yep. Yeah. And, and then, the co- it's really the combination of shooting with Battleshock yeah. that can do a lot of damage. Yeah. So not only did he... He probably took out, you know, a third of the unit or... No, he took out about... It's about eight guys, oh, probably. Yeah, he probably took out about 20. Eight, eight out of twenty, and then I lost that almost that many again. No, I, yeah, down to two models after battle shock. Wow. So it like was, that. and so you know, a unit of twenty goes to two. Yeah, and, um, that, and I think that's the big difference now is is you can't play the same type of army that you played with the previous edition. Yeah, no, right? and the you're not game. safe. You're not safe standing back because somebody battle shocks you, and that whole army's. Or that whole unit's gone. Yeah, and um, the ranges aren't really what they were as well. Yeah, they're a lot. Even shorter. with wood elves, you have to get in closer. Yeah, you have to get, sh- but but you can move and shoot without penalty. Sure. So so effectively, it's almost the same in some ways. Um, and the fast cab can run and shoot, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, with the goblins, we used doom divers. Yeah. Um, I think I hit less with them. They now. were pretty underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I hit less with them because they just hit on fours. So yeah. 50% of the time I'm not hitting. Well, yeah, um, we found the same thing with cannons. Yeah. It's like uh, he had an Empire Great Cannon, um, shot, I think, in three three turns and did nothing. Well, that's great, right? That's what we've been wanting um, all along. Yeah. But it but did it, it, nothing to the point of being pointless. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You um, just need to. And it, even the Iron Blaster, same. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, you're not paying points for them, so you're gonna have them there anyways. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they they are a little like war machines. Doom divers so was like, I think it did d six hits. Now, isn't that what it was? I think yeah, doom diver was like d six hits and rend one something yeah. like that. So really kind of crappy. Um, my bow boys still. I think shot once or twice. They did okay. They were white. They were white. Fives fives and fives. Marauder horsemen off the table. Uh, Yeah, but they did that in combat with a with a mangler squig to help them. Mm. And I, I, you know what? I didn't even remember to shoot them in combat, did I? (laughs) Because that's a good segue. Let's go right into the right into the charge phase, which is going to lead to combat. Just I do think having that phase is important, though. I think having some shooting is really important in the game because it's the one thing that can prevent you feeling like you have to just get into mm-hmm. a massive melee in the middle of the table to be kind of strategic with the shooting picking your targets but i think you have to i think you have to invest in it in a different way right it 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 used to be you know you could take those small units of wood elves and go pew 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 across mm-hmm. the place now i think you know it, uh, reading the rule elf rules you know you want to get that bonus to they have a bonus if you have more than 20 models sure so you're going to take a 30 model unit right um with all the archers because everyone in that unit is going to be able to shoot um and and it's just it's creating a different feel and and well, look for cre- the force yeah maybe just take a few units of speedy horse archers and just use them to pick off the occasional unit yep rather than making shooting the core yeah yeah, thing. it's a it's a different 
is a very different feel to the game. Sure. Okay. All so right, charging. Charging. So so anyone that's any of your units that within twelve inches can make a charge as long as they haven't run or retreated. Um and and you can't do it if you're within three inches of the enemy. So you pick a unit, you roll two dice. Um the first model you move must finish within half an inch of an enemy model. And then you can move everything else after that. Um so what is going on? Never mind. Never mind. I don't even want to know. Just, just pause it so I can show you guys. Sure. All right. Well, that's fine. Uh, I'll edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just browsing Thingiverse. I was showing Jesse like 40K stuff I could print on the 3D printer. Yep. And then Foreskin restoration, restoration prosthetic device. device. Wow. I saw like this whole 60 minutes thing once about this nut job guy who was like, he felt like his life was destroyed because his foreskin was removed. I mean, I get his point, right? I mean, it, he, he felt like he never really had true sex or anything mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And so he was on this like one man personal campaign to reinvent the foreskin to try and yeah and he was like he he had some prosthetic thing like this like maybe he's the one that designed this i don't know <laughs> where you where you basically stretch the skin of your Duh. penis back over until you, and you just keep stretching it oh and, until it's a foreskin again until it's a foreskin again you regrow your foreskin <laughs> by stretching it no. wow yeah. and uh so so we just saw that. And we we just <laughs> started having a giggle. Yeah, that's a cool good. space orc model. That's a cool space ring. Oh god! <laughs> oh god! Big foreskin. Push that around on the table. <laughs> uh, okay. Right, right, so, next to, right next to 3D print. Uh, maybe you should just leave that one in. I might yeah. just leave that one in. <laughs> just keep going. Okay. Meanwhile, back in the charge phase. Um, <laughs> you can't go straight from prosthetic foreskin into the charge phase. That's exactly where you go with prosthetic foreskin. You've got to shoot first. Oh, <laughs> no, you shoot after, surely. <laughs> um, okay, so um, yeah, you charge in with all your units. There's not a whole lot to it. Um, how did you find it versus uh, you know the previous? It's entirely different. Well, this combined with how combat works makes it entirely different. Because it's not all about just hammering as many units into a single target as possible anymore. Uh, it is. You don't think? You it think? is. Yeah. I think I, I you have like... to kind of feed stuff more gradually over a few turns. Well, I don't feel like true, making all of true. your charges at once anymore true. is the right thing to and do. And you can't... It, it's weird because, you know, it used to be initiative order. So there were certain things that you knew you could throw in. Mm -hmm. And didn't matter you were at least going to get to attack with it um now you can't really count on that you can throw stuff in but you don't want to throw in anything that you that would still priority for you you're like right. i only want this one unit to attack this turn or anything else that i throw in is probably going to get killed before sure. i get to attack so you don't throw stuff like put in. it this way take this example like i have two chariots in eighth edition I'm always looking to charge those two chariots into the same block at once. Mm -hmm. Now I charge one in. Why would I charge the second in? I'm going to charge in with one, do its damage, but then my opponent gets to 
to hit next and they're going to hit the chariot that hasn't done any damage yet and that chariot's going to be dead before it does anything. Yep. So why am I not just going to send the one chariot in? That's what I'm going to do now. Yep. So there's just slightly different tactics in terms of yeah. managing the yeah. multi-charges. Yeah, so really <coughs> what you're trying to do is is create waves of mm -hmm. charges. I think so. That's going to lead to weird games, I think. Mm -hmm. if, if if both players are trying to control the waves of charges. No, charging. no, Aiden, not everything that's different is weird. <laughs> well, okay. and the thing is, is, but that's true in some cases, but in, I still think the vast majority of the time it is going to be big pile i have three maybe units of goblins if i throw them all in there it you know sure i guess if i, I have murder, four chariots i may as well charge I murder, them all in i murder with, with the first them. unit he might throw a bunch of wounds onto one and battle shock them who cares i pile in with the other two after i've done some damage and uh, there's there's not much that he can do about that so maybe yeah. focusing on one unit still with a lot of charges uh -huh. is fine still but you don't want to be making multiple charges on different units across the table yeah because then you're just gonna have one of your units spanked before they get to do anything yeah and i noticed that too when i was like you know i would throw in a mangler in one spot and then another unit that i didn't really care got in there mm -hmm. um but I was throwing them in there to start getting them into combat, you know, and I was like, oh, oh, crap. So I either have to let him do a whole bunch of wounds to this before or lose my mangler. And I need that mangler to do damage. So it became like, well, I have to pick that and I shouldn't have even thrown them in because they're just going to get murdered by the blight kings before they right. get to go. So there's yeah, I think there is some some stuff, but. In general, you're probably going to... Well, at least I'm just going to throw stuff in. <laughs> and, and I think uh, what that lends itself to, and this is the, true in our game, is is you end up with um, um, contiguous combats, right? You know, where, where mm -hmm. depending on how the armies are laid out and how many models you've got on the table, um, very quickly you can have seven or eight units involved in one long, sneaking combat. Um, sure. I think that is a product of poor terrain placement. If I think me. it's also a product of the fact that we've just picked up an entirely new game and yeah. don't really know how to play like it. In our, in our games, we had stuff kind of divided up into alleys, and there yeah. was definitely some, some stuff happening way over here, mm -hmm. some stuff happening here, and some stuff happening over here. And so, you know, and none of them really merged together. And in fact, I cleared out one flank, and I was still far enough away. I couldn't get over to really support in time. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I think that if you end up with just everything in the middle of the table, it's probably because you guys were just thinking eighth terrain. You weren't actually mm -hmm. just placing terrain down and well, dividing it up. We followed the rules and that's yeah. how it ended up. But yeah. we did also have everything on square bases and movement trays because it's our yeah. existing armies. Okay. So and that's something worth pointing out. Actually, we didn't talk about the units now. Um, they're effectively all like skirmishers from the old edition, except they have to be within one inch of it, of another mm -hmm. model in the unit. So, you know, that f I feel like, you know, this is another reason why it has to be something you just play with your friends, because if you were trying to win, there's, you know, how, how frustrating conga lines and some of those reform tactics were in the previous edition. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certainly room to, to do, weird things again i'm going to use that word because i don't know necessarily if they're going to be advantageous or not 
but let's say I have a unit now of uh, 60 models. Um, now, if I if they're all on bases that are an inch wide, um, then and I can have an inch between each of them, then I can cover 120 inches of space in a single line with those models, right? So I could create this snaking line of models that could easily um, just, I'm saying, okay, well, I can charge anything I want to charge because, you know, this whole thing, and I put this one line of, of slaves between you and me, um, and then I can control how the combats are going to work. Because apart from flyers, obviously, but, but first you're going to have to hit my slaves. Right? Sure, but I don't see... I mean, I'm going to do so much. Those slaves are going to evaporate. Okay, well, with Ricky, for example, Ricky has 170 slaves, mm -hmm. right? So, or, or clan rats. You know, they could be clan rats now. Um, so here's 170. And <laughs> sure, but again, assuming we're working with some kind of comp system in place. That's where we're going to have to get to. That's not just... Right, okay. Okay. So I'm making all of my arguments assuming that we're not just throwing down everything that we have available to us. Uh, that's fine. Okay, so onto the combat phase, um, we talked a bit about a bit about it, but let's let's kind of just go into it mm. a bit. So there's two steps to it. Um, first, the player whose turn it is picks a unit to attack with, then the opposing player attacks with the unit till till you're done with anyone who could be in combat. So so step one, when you, you pile in, and piling in means you move each model in a unit up to three inches towards the closest enemy model. So eligible units to attack are anything within three inches. Um, and then step two, you attack with all of your melee weapons. Mm -hmm. um, so how did that how did that work out for you guys? It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The piling I mean, in becomes such a mess. It does. Know. That's the trouble with the eighth style horde armies. Yeah. It's a mess. And and it's it I thought looks crappy. I <laughs> thought that those armies would be gone, and I'm suspecting with the new releases that they do, they will be gone. I think so too. I don't see them releasing any more horde style armies. No, but the compendiums, of course, now still give you rules for having you know greater right. than twenty, greater than thirty. So I think even like models. Skaven going forward, the focus is going to be on the storm fiends and things yeah. of that nature. Yep. The big models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling you're right there. Because it does, it's a it takes forever, and it's a mess, and you're measuring from forty different goblins to see if they're in range. You know. It's yep. So you roll your hit dice. Um, you roll your dice to wound. That's all on the battle on the battle scroll. Then your opponent rolls the save. Um, saves now really a three plus is is great. Um, four plus is pretty good, and almost everything has at least a save of six plus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. And um, weapons have a rend characteristic, which is a subtracted off of that save roll. Um, many of them have z no rend. Um, minus one is is good. Minus two is really good. And there's even I think there's a few that have minus three, but not very many. Hmm. Um, and then and then you roll the damage, and uh, damage is either one for most things, or some of them are specifically two or three. So for example, iron guts do fixed three damage um and then others are dice so they do d3 damage d6 damage and that's how many wounds go through and that just goes through to the whole unit so your monster comes in does 12 wounds or whatever and that that'll be taken on whatever the whole unit is um so it's very simple very straightforward 
Um, to the point of being a little bit bland, maybe. The fact that I'm f- I would be fine with a fix to hit roll, but for wounding, I would prefer there to yeah. be some interaction between what type really you're hitting with against. Yeah. You're like, it doesn't matter what you're swinging at. It doesn't matter right. what you're against. There is a difference between wounding a goblin and a sphinx. There yeah. should be, at least. Yeah. Nope. No. no. I would be fine with a fix to hit roll. Whatever. It reflects your skill. Whatever. Yeah. But your strength against the durability of what you're hitting should right. factor in there somewhere. Well, and who's looked into battle scrolls to see how much that armor save is compensated for that. I mean, I'd imagine a Sphinx is going to get a two plus or, you know, a three plus. I mean, I, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't I see a lot know. of high armor saves. It probably just has a ton of wounds. Now. Yeah. And so they're compensating. Wounds, are yeah. they, so are they, they're trying to compensate with the number of wounds. There's a lot <laughs> of more saves in the wounds. Add, is it yeah. the Camrian war Sphinx? Was that? Yeah. Part? Yeah. So it's got a four up save and 12 wounds. That's so, pretty standard for monsters. Yeah. And, and, and you have the number of wounds. Oh, so that helps. Yep. So they've com- they've largely compensated with toughness and just replaced. I it guess with they compensate. Wounds. It does just feel bland though to not have the interaction term between the models. It's so like you could be fighting anything and you're just rolling the same dice. There's yeah. there's a part of me that also sees it uh, as a bit of a positive from from the standpoint that you don't need to know your opponent's army to do your rolling. Yeah. Um, which used to be, I think, a pretty significant advantage. The more you played, the more you know stuff, the more you could do the math before you got in there. Now it doesn't matter what you're going against. You know how that unit's going to perform, just depending on the save. You only have to do the math once. You don't have to do the math against toughness, against weapon skill, skill, against armor saves and ward saves. And, you know, so... That is good. I think that's great for entry-level people, but for people who are looking for a rich gaming experience, it's definitely flat. It definitely helps pare the rules down to this little pamphlet because you don't have these lookup tables anymore or anything. You just have your scroll. And yeah, so, so how much did you find that sped up your games too, though? Because you think Nothing. of especially it didn't speed it up. No, you don't I mean, not for us it. because we know, like, I know what I need to hit wound a goblin on. Right, but when you start thinking about like yeah. you know units with different types of weapons, you're gonna go, okay, well, here's my spear, <coughs> and here's my great weapon, and here's this magic. You know, having to add all those dice rolls, now it's just one. Hey, I hit on I think fours. All the time threes. you say or you gathered or you know gained from that kind of simplicity, mm-hmm. you lose to the extremely messy pile-ins, mm-hmm. the, the time it takes to measure each individual model is saying, instead of saying two ranks, 10 wide, 20 attack. And also there's a bunch you of know. models now that have like just multiple weapons each and you're rolling each different weapon separately because oh, yeah, they have a yeah. different attack. Like my Chimera, each head does a different attack. So I'm rolling three different attacks there. Okay. And then there's the claws as well. Yeah. So the Chimera has four different types of attack. Or the Night Goblins. But I'm having to look up each time. It's yeah. kind of dumb. Night Goblins yeah. were... Oh, yeah. I, ha- I, could have, I could have sword and board. I can have spear and board. And I can have nets. And, and it's I all just ha- on what the model has. And they can all has. be in the same unit. Yeah. And so it's just whatever the model has. I I just played them all as hand weapon and shield because I didn't want us to have to deal with spears as well. But spear and shield, they were in the big mobs. They were hitting on fours, wounding on twos. 
And then the Nets are hitting on fours, wounding on five or on threes. Something like that. But they have three attacks. So like I'm having to like but they have a longer range too. So the whole time I'm like trying to pile in, I'm trying to move every little hand weapon guy up to the front that I can, keep my nets in that third two inch range. And it's just like all that time is wasted. Yeah. But all again, that, that could be kind of cool with less models, like the weapons where, you know, models yeah. with different weapons, placing them is important. When well, you're doing it with 40, bases, it's dumb. Though. Or if we were measuring yeah. from, from bases, bases yeah, from rather than from bases. weapons, because as soon as you have spearmen, right, you want your front rank of spearmen to be, you know, as far back as possible on their on their base, effectively, or <laughs> or standing upright anyway, and then and then your second rank and third ranks to have you know really long spears. Right. And so even the fifth rank is just has this insane spear modeled over the top. Twenty foot long spears. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And even Finton was picking up on that as well. It's like you know he just rearranged all his spearmen based on on yeah. who's and his lances. Yeah. So. And there's nothing that says you can't just get those like the Perry brothers. They sell the metal pikes yeah you know you, and they're like three four six one. you know six inches long you can just change out all your spirit damn it guys one. you're all approaching this like eighth edition power so, gamers here's, here's, true. here's one lingering question i've had about the pylons and everything else does anything say you can't put all your models in a rank and file and keep them in the square and, and, no, you and keep, keep them, them in a square That's and pile in is a may you don't have to so if you wanted to you could keep your guys in a 10 by yeah, five or a 10 by four do that. So, you'll get less attacks yeah, that's what it boils down to. Um, so okay, so you pile in, and you know, especially with the armies that we have that we're bringing from eighth, that is a bit of a, a pile is the right word. Um, mm -hmm. Then you attack, which you know we're getting used to these new battle scrolls. There's a lot of um, uh, difference in there, um, and then your opponent does the same, and there's there's definitely some tactics in figuring out well which unit should I attack with first, mm -hmm. and who should I attack? Always attacking stuff that hasn't itself done its damage yet. Exactly, so you can, so you can yeah. try and eliminate it. Um, and then um, once that's all done, uh, you go to the battle shock phase. Mm. So in the battle shock phase, um, and this is a weird one for me. Um, I'm using that word a lot, but it's maybe just the word that I'm associating <laughs> with something where it, it could be good, but I've kind of mentally filed it I as bad. I think this rule was almost great. Yeah. Almost, so you yeah. make a battle shock test, you roll a dice, add the number of models from the unit that have been slain this turn. And for each point by which the total exceeds the highest bravery characteristic in the unit, uh, one model in that unit must flee and is removed from play. Now, first off, um, you can tell right there that there's a, a, a bit of a throwback to 8th edition because uh, the units only have one bravery characteristic. You can't put characters in a unit anymore. So somebody wrote that um, feeling feeling like they were a little bit 8th um, So, um, And you get to add one to the bravery characteristic being used for every 10 models that are in the unit. So big hordes, obviously, are, are braver. Um which so, is kind of like your rank bonus. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so how did you guys, what, what did you think this is almost great? I think if, if it was both instances of models were replaced with wounds, then this would be awesome. Like for every wound you take, you add to the dice roll and compare to your bravery and then lose a wound. Yeah. But having it with models makes it kind of ridiculous because, you know, you have a unit of trolls, let's say they have four wounds each, probably they're not taking a battle shock 
phase, a, a Battleshock test. Yeah. Whereas the single that, though for single model monsters, so it's like it's a good and a bad thing. But maybe. Yeah. But yeah. the you know goblins, you're kill, you've done a bunch of shooting damage, and now they're just losing another ten models immediately. Yeah. Which is, which was really frustrating because yeah. you're like, yeah, I, I just wish that it wasn't quite as many. Now, to to be fair, we forgot that we were supposed to, or yeah, we Tom weren't at it. Never, I hadn't. Read I conveniently the rules, forgot that and, uh, you were I supposed it. that you were supposed to. And add so, them. at the very Fairness. end of at the end of our three games, he's like, "Oh, by the way, you're supposed to add one to." And I was like, "You dirty." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But but even so, that still wouldn't have saved me that much. No, because but, if you're losing ten models, yeah. it doesn't matter what you're adding to it. The chances right. are you're gonna you're yeah. gonna. Yeah, and I found that as well. Like with my Mornfang cavalry, basically became Mornfang used to be, you know, a calculated risk, right, in Eighth Edition because, you know, while they hit really hard. In a prolonged combat, they weren't good. Right. If they got charged, they weren't that great. And if you were outside of your leadership bubble, you were hosed, right? Because mm -hmm. they're only leadership seven. And there were so many points invested in, in that unit. In this, they've got a four-up armor save, which is fantastic. If you, roll a, if you roll a six while you're making an armor save, it does a mortal wound to whoever hit you. Oh, that's and the... What? Got, yeah, and they've got six wounds apiece. Broken. And so I charged in um, against his... against. They uh, just want to keep that Morn Fang sales up. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, they've been doing so well for years. Let's just keep that going. <laughs> uh, charged in against his Manticore and killed it and the Hydra and killed that and didn't, didn't, I think I lost one model and, and then they've got Bravery 6. Um, so because I only lost one model, I would only have lost another model if I'd rolled another 6 and I was fine. Um, and with the Iron Guts, it's the same sort of story, you know, four wounds apiece. I'm, Never had to take a battle shock test, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's that's why I put it. I said it's weird. I think it's got potential to be really great. I don't know if I think it has potential, and I think it's a nice, simple way of combining all the things that we used to do for, you know, like panic tests for taking casualties from shooting, break tests from combat. It kind of lumps all of that into a single mechanic for just losing a bunch of models who are you know, got freaked out during the battle. Yep. Mm. Kind of combines all that into one. Yep. I think it's neat. It just, I don't like the whole model thing. Yep. Yep. Okay. So um, there is one more page of rules, but we've kind of covered all of them based on, you know, it's the attacking rules. It's mm -hmm. the wizard rules, um, mortal wounds and cover. We even talked about all of we those. We didn't cover so. the most, important, cover the most rule. important rule. Though, no. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Always pretend to ride an imaginary horse. No. That's the most important rule. So the most important rule is you roll off if you can't agree on something. So um, they've kept that in there because, yeah, there's a lot of holes in these rules. Yeah. So, um, you know, the imaginary horse thing has come up because in the compendiums, compendia, I'm not sure, um, in the in those scrolls, there are a lot of um, um, humorous rules that are kind of a nod to the history of the of the army or the unit in particular. Player interaction rules. Yeah, kinda. yeah. Some like you get this special rule if your beard is bigger than your opponent, or I win. Yeah, <laughs> or your mustache. I win. Yep. <laughs> and uh, 
Uh, or if you're, I think there's one if you're bigger than your opponent. Really? <laughs> Jesse wins. There's, Jesse there's wins one that for one. if you're younger. Younger. Finton wins. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, if you talk to your models or make an imaginary horse. Or there's a vampire one where if it's at night or you can't see the sun, you yep. get a special you get a bonus. <laughs> um, you know, you can only play at night, guys. No, I no. think it's freaking awesome. <laughs> I like I'm just going to go out there and say that. I do. And because, you know what? I Why think, not? Why I the think it's not? funny because I, I don't think anybody's going to say, no, you can't use that rule. Right. That when you do get to use that rule because you are meeting that criteria, you're gonna be like, "Well, I get to do this," uh-huh, and it's just uh-huh. gonna be kind of goofy and funny. But like otherwise, you're just gonna let people do it anyways. Like, if I go up against somebody who just has a scruffy little goatee, you know, little mamby pamby thing, <laughs> like, uh, wimpy little beard, a wimpy little beard, I'm still gonna let them reroll their what? thing. What? Why are you gonna let them reroll their thing? Yeah. They don't meet the criteria. You're right. I won't let you them. You won't let them. <laughs> Because, you know, if they've grown out a little goatee, they're going to be getting those re-rolls against 90% of the people in the room. Mm. What, if, what, if they're wear, what if they're wearing a fake beard? Do they get to roll it then? If somebody brings a special dwarf oh, fake yeah. beard, then I that's, have to I'm going to say that's I have legit. to sew a hood just so I can use the, the thing that my... It's only on a formation, though, so I probably will never play it, but... Mm. The a, biggest complaint yeah, I've seen wear, about these is that, you know, they're immature and it's just silly and it, it's not, you know, serious enough for this game that we're all super into. Well, we're like, we're pushing around goblins. Yeah. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, I, I Whatever. Have no problem with it's the a silly, silly game in the first place. It's yeah. so silly. I think it, it very much, again, aligns with this is something you, you play with your buddies. It is fun. It's silly. You drink beer. You, you have a laugh. It's not the sort of game where, you know, you spend um, hundreds of dollars flying to another city to spend the weekend playing in a competitive tournament. Right? You wouldn't fly to another city to compare your beard to somebody else's? No, no, I can do that. Dice. I can do that uh, online very <laughs> easily. I win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I'll right. Ta- I'll take, just, just as no, I'll take on anybody. Bring, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. So, so overall thoughts then that's, the, that's the game. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, there's, there's obviously there's 15 or 14, 15 or four uh, mm-hmm. compendiums of scrolls to go through and all of the special rules. Um, you know, typically models have between two and five special rules. Sure. Um, I they love all, the special. And I, some of the, spe- like, the special rules are great. In yeah, a lot I of haven't cases. read all of them. No. I've read, I've read the the goblins. I didn't even bother reading the orcs because who cares, right? Um, but I read the the wood elves, the goblins, and I've read about halfway through the dwarves, and I feel like they did really well. I like them. I em. think so the too. Thing, um, I am super super sad about dwarves losing the runic system. That was something just felt so amazing to dwarves. Well, um, we've lost all kind of we've customization. Lost, yeah. really, we have. So. We have. I mean, that's that's true of everything. But you know, still, it's just I miss that. You know, so I miss that, uh, that is that is my main complaint about the game is it is now a game that feels to me like a board game. Um, I bring my components. I turn up and play. Um, there is no meta game. There's no game within a game, right? But and um, you don't think in designing your army that you're going to show up with. Oh, why? You don't mean paint, painting your army. Your painting collection. Your, that's what you mean. I, I'm approaching this only from the perspective of I think there is, you know, either I'm playing a friendly game and we're going to set some nice, simple 
composition rules among ourselves. Or I'm going to play competitively and there'll be a more competitive comp system in place, exactly like we had to do with 8th edition. I, I don't think that's possible. Why? The Age of Sigmarils are too vague. There's not enough specificity in there. There's no way to control. There's You can make the most competitive list in the world, and I'll be like, that's a great list, and I'm going to add 50 more clan rats and 50 more clan rats and another hell. There's nothing that limits the size or scope. But that's what game. a comp system would do. How do you L- comp look that? At You're starting from... Your, your I you he's, just, he's talking about it like an actual composition. Like an actual... There'll be points a per point model. Score. Look yeah. at how elaborate the Swedish system is. If they can do that, we you're, can you're easily just put a point You're essentially making 8th edition with slightly different rules at that point. 8th sure. edition already has point values and a very good comp system that's that's finally getting a chance to kind of balance things out since nothing new is being introduced. Why not just play 8th at that point? Because we because 8th is a dead game and it's unsupported. We have this new game mm-hmm. and we're just looking for a way to c- play competitively in it. So why not I, I, ship over some of I the think you're, I think mentality you're, I think you're, from 8th? I think you're totally... I mean, you're sep- there's, you're, you can't. I don't see the point if you're going to take the Age of Sigmar rule system and completely retrofit it so it balances competitive gaming. That makes no sense to me compared to just taking an already fleshed out, robust game system. That's going to die. There's no way so to keep it, it alive. How, how is it going to die? Because nobody knew it's going to play. Nobody knew that, it was going to decide correct. to play a dead game. I think plenty of new so people. So the community just goes. How many new players do you really know? Who just started Warhammer for the first time and played in com- in, in tournaments? So, yeah. so unfortunately, we do know some of those guys. <laughs> just Very. There, because Ronnie, who down in Olympia, has mm. been slowly convincing people to play Warhammer, and now he's like, "God damn it! They just released a totally new game that's going to bone the whole community what's, down there." What's right? the stop? So. I mean, you're going to find Age of Sigmar players who are playing Warhammer. And go, oh, you like Age of Sigmar? That's great. There's also a more advanced rule set for the more competitive players. Yeah, but you got to have everything on square bases, and th- this is the thing: is that that the model set for for Warhammer will go away, right? The, the, they've currently got them for sale, but I think within two years, any of the models that are for sale today will not be available. You will there'll be no goblins, there'll be no high elves, dark elves, none of that stuff. There'll be completely new ranges. Um, they've got these four factions. They're going to release models for these four factions, um, and and that'll yeah. be it. I, I just don't see. I don't see ever using these rules to make a competitive rule system where you can actually host tournaments and everything else. I mean, it's not built for it. And I feel like Games mm-hmm. Workshop's actually gone out of their way. I think they've gone out of their way with these silly rules and everything else to make it a point that this isn't a competitive system. I mean, sure. I, I think they're doing everything in the, they can to say, hey, this is not a competitive game. And I think this is, I, I would agree that this is designed for and is going to work best as a kind of friendly game. And in that game, you'll, you know, you'll have some very simple way of kind of approximately balancing it. All I'm saying is that if people, for that very competitive crowd of people who do want, who are bemoaning the loss of 8th edition and saying that there's no way to turn this into a competitive game, I would say it's just as simple as 8th edition to turn into a balanced competitive game. If you look at all the work that's gone into changing the core rules and the composition to make 8th competitive... So you you have to look at, like, Swedish Comp was, you know, a group of of a half a dozen guys um, getting feedback from a larger tournament community who played the game um, for, you know, over the course of several years. And every time something new came out, they worked hard at it for months Mm -hmm. to to balance it out. Um, Now you're starting with Age of Sigmar. You've got 
everything You've wiped clean. everything clean. And you don't have a baseline. That's the thing. 8th edition gave us a baseline to yep. work from, and we don't have that. You have, no ba- you have no baseline. And beyond that, you have no idea what's coming, mm-hmm. right? And at least, you know, with the, the army releases in Warhammer, you're like, okay, well, we're getting a new Dark Elf book. You knew that Heroes were the old Dark Elves. Here's the new Dark Elves. Well, we've got a baseline even for how we comp the old Dark Elves, so we can start from that. Um, it It's... A lot of effort. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying that it's a lot of effort. I'm sure that people will do it. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think if you do, if you create a comp system for this, then building a list is still simpler than it was in eighth, where you have to build a list against two different costing systems: yep. your points cost and then your comp cost. You know, if we just give, or if the community just gives a comp score to everything. Then well, you're just, you know... Assuming you were playing Swedish comp, right? We played plenty of tournaments where there was no Swedish comp. Right, sure. Right. Um, and um, as I see it, you know, I look at... I, I talk with a lot of the tournament organizers across the country, and, and I talk with the, you know, the master's reps who talk in the different regions. You know, there there is no existing tournament organizer who is super excited about organizing an Age of Sigmar tournament. No, I, I gave up on it because I can't think of any way to even start on it. And I'm not going to, uh, frankly, I, I'm not going to do a Games Workshop's job and try and balance a game that can't be. So if we do, if I do organize events, which I'm pl- I plan to, they're just going to be play dates. Yep. I mean, a festival rather than a tournament. Yeah. Yep. And which I, you know, you're probably not going to get as many people, or maybe you will. I don't know. But when people are so frustrated with the game anyways, it's probably going to be no turnout. Um, but anyways. Dude, anything you run, I will turn out for. So yeah. they'll, they'll, be a, they'll be at least a half a dozen of us. But I'll bring my collection. Yeah. <laughs> Show up with your collection. So here's, here's the thing that, um, you know, my frustration with this whole thing is because uh, I, I kind of, I'm kind of like bipolar. I like... The competitive scene. Obviously, I keep going to tournaments. I like playing in them. I like it when I win. Um, but I'm also just like a complete spazoid. I still play armies that never really do well, no matter what you do with them. <laughs> um, and and I like to just have fun when I'm playing. Um, so this game appeals to me. It appeals to that one side, but it doesn't appeal to the competitive side, and I don't see a way to get it there. And my main problem with that is this is made by a company called Games Workshop. They're not named Model Workshop, which is what their new mission is, apparently. So they need to change the way they're going to present themselves. They shouldn't sell their models in a game store if they're not going to give us good games. They need to sell their models in model stores. And stop trying to pretend like, okay... We don't want to do games anymore, so don't do games at all. Just be a model range. Be a model range. Yeah. Fine. Uh, um, uh, and that's they are so close to that right now with what mm-hmm. they've released here. It seems it like is, what they're most interested in is telling the story and bringing models out. There's more content on a cereal box than on those four pages. Yep. And that's insulting to people who want to play a game or who have played a game. And the thing is, is anybody... Um, beyond an eight-year-old who picks this game up is going to f- play it once and be like, yeah, the models are cool, but that's flat. Yeah. That's really flat. 
it's I'll a- go play Super Dungeon Explorer because at least I'll be challenged <laughs> mentally there, you know? And and yes, there's tactics and yes, there's some things and and it is fun. It is still fun. I'm not going to I'm not going to say that cuz anytime I throw models down, I usually almost always have a good time unless the opponent's a total dick. But I just don't see this ever being competitive. And I think that if Games Workshop doesn't want to do competitive gaming or at least structure something so that people who want to play competitively can and they don't want to support the gaming community, which they don't, like, um, even from what's what we did at that last um, event that Ronnie ran, um, we were surprised because Games Workshop actually came out and said, yeah, we're going to give um, prize support it's not price support for winning it's price support for hobby so she wasn't allowed to give it out as a prize for somebody who won a game she was allowed to give it out as a prize for like a door raffle for just coming Mm. in the door Mm. because they don't want to encourage people to actually win with their games and to me that just shows that they don't want to deal with it. I right? got it. I figured it out. Okay. Games Workshop is secretly owned by Ordo Fanaticus. Probably. <laughs> that would explain so much, actually. But so I just feel like, hey, Games Workshop, going to be a model company. Stop selling your models in game stores. Yeah. Um, and sell them. Just either just sell them online to the people who want them or sell them in model stores. But drop the pretense of being a game and just be models. Yeah. We'll still buy your models because we love them. But um, and then, and then, stop suing people who write rules to use your models. Yeah. Well, to be fair, mm. they they have stopped doing that. Um, what they are, are doing though, they're trying to sue the people who are copying their models. And, yeah. And yeah. if that's their bread and butter, right. fine. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and some people do rip off the concepts pretty blatantly sure um uh, to me the weirdest part is they have this great relationship with fantasy flight games and fantasy flight know how to make games i mean their games are fantastic and there's fun yeah there's a lot of games the games that they've built for um gw have been good they've licensed other properties they've made card games board games uh even they have their own war game um i don't understand why you know, if they are really want to focus on being a models company, why they didn't just say, mm-hmm. hey, Fantasy Outsource Flight. Outsource that to yeah. Fantasy Flight. Yeah, because they did the role-playing games even of like 40K and Warhammer, you know. So anyway, um, I, I think regardless of competitive or not, it does not lend itself to mass organized play. For sure. Right? Yeah, because even if I do... So say I organize a play date mm-hmm. um, and I say, bring your collection. Um, some If somebody who has a collection like me shows up and just starts putting down units, they're going to get through two turns. And that's like that doesn't feel like a full game to the person who set up opposite them. Even if they took like the sudden death, you know, they're going to be like, all right, well, I'm just playing sudden death apparently. And they're yeah. going to spend two hours just moving their models. And that doesn't feel very fun, you know? Yeah. So there, there's not even any kind of like, yeah. You know, and, and yes, I can say, oh, you're limited to a number of scrolls, but that's so relative to the army. 
or whatever. So let's talk about Jesse. You you mentioned like a potential comp system that was really kind of so, so, I mean, <laughs> interesting. It was, it was it was half serious, half joking, but there is there is a lot of conversation on the the Warhammer subreddit uh, about instead of using you know wounds or or anything else like that, they're actually going by the MSRP of the models, and it actually worked amazingly. Because about as effective as a unit is, is about how much as the unit's going to cost. Um, That's actually and it kind being... of is quite tongue in cheek as well, given that, you know, we all think of GW as only caring about money. It's like, well, fine, we'll use money but it's as the, the currency. It's absolutely in this game. true. And you're seeing, I mean, especially with the characters going to $20, $25. Um, God, the last 40K character that I bought was like $35, I think. The new yeah, Tech Priest Dominus. It was just absurd. It's but insane. You can buy a whole box of goblins for the same price mm. as one. Yeah, they've, they've long ago, yeah. I think, stopped pricing people based on how much plastic it costs or how many sprues you're getting there. I worked at GW when that decision happened. Mm. I was a red shirt, and we got a communique from, like a memo. It was, it was actually typed on paper because there was no email back then, <laughs> um, saying this was, uh, it was when um, the Vindicare Assassin came out for the mm. first time um, for 40K, and it was a really skinny model. It was a you know metal model. I think I still have it. Really actually. skinny, um, not a lot of lead in it, and it was priced above any other blister pack. And um, we got this memo around saying the 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 way to talk about this is to say, well, you only need one in your army, mm. right? And it's not so much about what you're paying for, you know, the the content of what you're getting, but mm, but the game role. The game is. role that it's playing. Now and this is I think where they're where they're screwing themselves to Ricky's point earlier. <laughs> yeah. They're not a games they're company. They're not a games company anymore. And now you're right, just so this will have no more company. value than this one because I'm not playing a game. Yeah. <laughs> well and that's exactly the case right now. It's like with scrolls being the way they are, you know, it doesn't yeah. there's almost like you can go through and say well what's strictly better right i can look at this what's the damage output and ability to soak damage of any given model and then just you know only go with those or you know you may as well just go with whatever you want to paint and and put it down on the table because you're going to get just as good a game as as if you tried to math the whole thing in your head uh, yeah exactly because if you paint what you like and that means you paint more then you're going to have more models on the table. <laughs> yeah. um, if, you, yeah. if you're one of those people who only painted your core because you were forced to, and now, but you did enjoy painting your special or your heroes, just paint those and play those, and you'll all of a sudden be painting more. You'll have more models on the table, and yeah, maybe I do like the MSRP thing, though. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I think yeah. it's pretty it's pretty clever. It's sadly, and it's sadly really effective. Well, and here's I the thing, then. I'm curious to try it now. Yeah. We should do a $1,000 <laughs> army. <Yeah. laughs> that's going to be a very big army. Now, can we do the price based off of eBay? So if I find, like, a starting bid for $0.99, cents, does that is that valid? That's why it's MSRP. Oh, yeah. oh not MSRP. MSRP. Okay. okay. Yeah. Darn it. I think, I, think, I think one of the biggest things that makes me sad, like you were saying, is I've got so many hundreds of models now you know 100 and something skeletons that i'll probably never use again you know that i that i diligently painted assembly line just because they're just not that effective and i can just feel it all the well, now well instead. you'll never use them again for age of sigma right true yeah. so now is a good time to talk about where 
what's with, likely to happen in yeah. the community. Yeah. So let me let me talk a bit first about Masters. So um, Masters is still going to be eighth edition. Um, it's still going ahead. It's still going to be in February in Vegas. Um, there's still going to be the Vegas Open. When did Vegas um, go up? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, and the um, the qualifiers in our region are all still going to be eighth edition qualifiers. Um, there's um, the OFCC Open got canceled because um, there wasn't enough interest in it. Everybody wanted to play in the team. And with the um, Age of Sigmar coming out, it kind of screwed things a little bit. Um, but there's still a tournament pretty much every month until the end of the year. Really? Um, Eighth yep. edition tournament? Eighth edition tournaments, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the Canadian guys haven't really got rolling with their tournament scene until like this. they start with Wet Coast almost. So they got a con, which was just one, but, but Wet Coast was um, just last weekend. And now all of their stuff is, you know, the re did oh, the, the victory or death. Sorry, I did, and I updated the the uh, rankings. Yeah. All that really changed is that Jim and Shane swapped second and third position. Um, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So Dale uh, played his first tournament, came second, so he's now actually on the board, but he's got a ways to did go. Did I get unseated? Am I out? No, you're still there. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and so, no matter what, um, I think there's going to be the painting masters. Um, so even if uh, even if you end up not being in the top eight. Um, you're likely to be voted to go to the painting masters. So, um, so that's the masters community. Um, now, so, but that's a very short term plan. That's a short term. That's one plan. more year of eight. Yep. Yep. So people are looking at, um, obviously Kings of war as a potential successor. Um, it was written by the same guy who wrote eighth. Um, and, uh, it is, uh, having a version 2.0 come out in the next few weeks. Um, I've read the rules for 2.0. Um, they're available online. And um, I would say it is um, somewhere between Age of Sigmar and 8th in terms of complexity okay. and, and customization. Um, so it plays much faster, but it's all about big blocks of, of troops. Um, the big differences that I see are um, your turn is devoid of interaction with your opponent. Um, so you take your entire turn. You could be on a chess clock. And in fact, they say for tournament play, you should be because your opponent doesn't have to do anything during your turn. And that, huh. to, me, that to me is, is a turnoff because it's not interactive enough, right? The whole point of these yeah. games. That's still pulling models off. No, right? you don't pull models off. You leave the models. The models stay on the movement tray um, until the entire unit is wiped out and you mark damage on it. Oh, well, I like that. That's cool because then you can have really cool, uh, bases with, you know, scenic stuff in there and dynamic poses and you don't have to re, uh, re rank after every game. You know, that I really like. There's really no, you, there's no reason to have individual movement trays at all in that game. Correct. Uh, individual, oh, individual bases. bases, individual bases. No, no, yeah, not at all. It's just one big. Yeah, one big, one big movement tray. Mm. Um, so is there a set size for yes, each unit as yes. well? So this the, unit is twenty dwarfs. You buy it as twenty dwarfs. You buy it as twenty dwarfs, and it is five wide and four deep. And, oh. and then you, if you, um, you know, you can then go to a horde, which is ten wide and and four deep, or whatever else. And they have different sizes of units, and it's explicitly stated how big they are. Huh. So I like those aspects of it, but the lack of interactivity and the, there's not a lot of in terms of customization as well. Like there's some magic items, but it's not 
it's not like it's not like eighth, right? So, so I think that's an interesting thing that people are pursuing. Um, I think there's a bunch of people in the mid-Atlantic region who have um, started playing. They've been playing for about a month now with it and and enjoying it. So that's one uh, uh, one place to go. Um, you know, a bunch of the guys in BC have already switched to playing War Machine. Uh, uh, so, for example, ooh. Pete Davis, who was a who was a um, fixture on the Warhammer tournament scene, um, is gone to War Machine. He's been playing, so um, that's sad for me. He just doesn't um, care about fantasy anymore. No, he's not part of the Chump Hammer podcast. He's basically said Age of Sigmar is, you know, not for him. Away he goes. Um, and uh, so War Machine is, you know, obviously being a local company um, is is one place place where people can go. Um, there's a, uh, it, it's very much a skirmish game, you know, um, and I'm sure people know about it. Malifaux is where we're losing people to as well. Um, Isn't that really small though? Very small. Like you have just a gang really rather yep, than an army. Yeah, um, like 15, up to 15 models. Um, but the gameplay is very tight um, and uh, that appeals, of course, to a lot of people. Um, and the models are nice. You know, which is one of the struggles you have with some of the other games is, you know... Right, Kings of War in particular. The Mantic models... They I, look like garbage. I do not like the aesthetics at all. <clears throat> um, so, um, you know, there's there's uh, um, a bunch of other, you know, kind of up-and-coming games. There's a bunch of people saying we're going to write 8.5. Um, everybody's trying to put their own spin on that. I know there's a that's bunch. really concern. Well, not concerns me, but I just don't see it happening. Well, because some some of the ex um, Swedish comp guys are trying to do it. Since when of yeah, maybe they could do it, but like getting gamers to agree on anything ever yeah. is well, insane. I think eight, eight point five is a bit of a stretch. Maybe like an eight point one, <laughs> or like an eight point oh. Well, pretty much, we already have an eight point one. Right? Yeah. That's the Masters FAQ and Swedish comp. Sure. Right? That's that to me is. Yeah, 8.1 how okay never mind i'm just like <laughs> there are that the the masters ngw faq combined is thicker than the actual rule book <laughs> so it needs like the whole thing basically needs to be thrown out and rewritten right right the barrier of entry just gets higher and higher and higher as you like yeah. as you say this game is built on 8th edition there's that book yeah. it has this faq this comp system, yeah. and then your army book as well. well like, like, if somebody does that, it, it's going to be a monumental task, and I applaud them for doing it, but I sure hope that it just pairs it down. Because right. the 8th the edition book was needlessly long anyways. Yeah. You know, it needed to be keyworded. It needed to be, you know, just... Lots of stuff. So, so there are various games. There are various efforts to maintain Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Um, is is anyone on the Masters circuit that you've spoken to excited about uh, about Age of Sigmar and think that that's what they want their new game to be? Um, none of the committee or tournament organizers. So the people who actually organize the community, none of them are excited about it. No, it's so there might some be of the them are excited about the models, but not the p- the driving force of the community in each case. Yeah, not. the models are amazing. Yeah. Some are excited about the models. Some are still um, holding out hope that there's going to be a big rule book. 
um, that will put army composition in there, you know, like a mass battle supplement that has been rumored for an August release. Um, so I'm kind of in that camp, I'm, I'm hoping. But even then, you know, I look at the at the system itself and I see a bunch of flaws. And, you know, as we've discussed, Games Workshop, not so much on the game. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of curious um, to hear from you guys. You know, where do you see yourself going with with the hobby now? Ricky first. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Well, you, well, talking about driving um, forces, you're a huge driving force yeah, for this community. I mean, and what you decide to do is really kind of a big deal for this particular area. Yeah. Uh, no okay. pressure. Uh, no, pressure <laughs> no, I'm guys. just saying. That's, um, I think I want to give Age of Sigmar a chance. I want to give. Um, I want to give Games Workshop a chance to amend their rules. I think if um, six months from now uh, those four pages haven't been updated, um, I'm out. I probably won't play Age of Sigmar because by then I'll be so bored with it because mm -hmm. it, it, it's going to get flat quick. Um, I will always be p painting Games Workshop models. I started painting the models before I even really cared that it was a game. And I only got talked into playing the game because a red shirt did um, talk me into trying it. Um, so I'll probably always collect the models. Um, but because tournaments were my main driving force for painting often or trying to create a tournament army, um, I can see that slowing down. Um Plus, just the general um, lack of enthusiasm in the community is going to kind of, it's contagious. <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> Even yep. I'm feeling it. Um, but I'm going to give Age of Sigmar a chance. I'm going to, if, you know, Games Workshop says they're, they're going to support this and this is going to be supported and it's, and it's coming. So I'm going to give them six months to really, you know, put their money where their mouth is or put my money where their mouth is. <laughs> and um, if uh, if they haven't, then, yeah, I'll probably just resign myself to not trying to play their games anymore sure. and just keep buying their models if it's a good enough model um, or add it to the collection of the stuff I have. Um, as to alternate games, I'm not interested. I, I really... Um, I tried watching you guys play War Machine the other day, and it, just like every other time I've tried to watch that game, I just wanted to stick needles in my eyes. Um, <laughs> so I'm never going to do that. I, mm. I mean, even though I do actually like some of the models for that, like I love the trolls, but I'm, I'm not going to start a new game. Um, Kings of War, I'll, I'll entertain the idea of watching that a couple games, maybe trying a game. Um, but like I said, I'm going to give Age of Sigmar six months, and then after that, um, yeah, I'm cut my losses on it. I'll try and organize a play date with King uh, Card Kingdom or Mox soon. Um, I think they're willing to host if, if I am. So uh, it would be weird, but it might be just like come play, and um, I can make some some basic 
I don't even know what templates to make now because <laughs> templates don't exist, right? right? So, you know, whatever. Uh, they're actually bringing out a template. A little three-inch measuring stick. Yeah. It's yeah, a because measuring it's stick. It's so hard yeah. to extend your, your tape measure three right. inches. <laughs> it's $30, I think. And it's oh, like, oh, my God. Well, it's, you know, there's a gimmick, of course. Mm-hmm. It's in the shape of a hammer, and each mm-hmm. side of the hammer measures a certain distance. Yeah. But. Well, there's a very common shape used in other games to see if you're one inch away, two inches away, three inches away, right? That's the dimensions on it. Mm-hmm. So, Jesse, what about you? Um, I mean, hobby-wise, I've, I've kind of just buried my head in the sand. Uh, I'm still painting my 8th edition armies. Um, well, you've also started a bunch of 40K stuff. I right? have, yeah. I was going to get to that. So, <laughs> 40K right now is awesome. Um, I think the rule set seems really tight. I think the competitive scene is really going... Uh, well so i haven't actually played a game of 40k in god many many years but i've started a couple armies up and that's scratched my hobby itch because you know there's all sorts of cool new armies coming out um they're pulling out all these armies that i've wanted to see since you know second edition um so like the ad mech and everything else and there's tons of conversions even all the fantasy stuff coming out is a, a 40k conversion waiting to happen so um i don't know if i'll ever play it you know, you know, tournaments and stuff like that, like I did with fantasy, but it's definitely kind of filled that gap for now and, and kept me busy. Yep. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same, but I haven't even played Age of Sigmar. It seems fine for, you know, beer hammer or hang out with your friends for an hour or two, but I never, I, you know, like you said, I'll never see myself playing a tournament of it or, or, you know, playing it regularly weekly for, for more than a couple of weeks on end. Cause I just don't think there's enough depth there. But it'll always be a fun game. I got no problem with that. Okay. Tom? Uh, I'm probably the most optimistic of all of you about Age of Sigmar. I have enjoyed the games i played so far. I want to keep playing and working out whether there is more tactical depth in there than we're seeing right now. Um... I it doesn't affect me hugely anyway because I was never really like traveling around to tournaments like you guys did a lot. I would go to the local tournaments and you know really enjoyed hanging out with all the people there playing games. And I do think that type of tournament slash play date, whatever you want to call it, is possible with Age of Sigmar. And I do have some faith that GW is going to bring something out that helps balance wise. Even most likely, I think they bring out a series of scenario books, and each scenario has some internal balancing mechanism. And maybe that's not enough for a super competitive style tournament, but it would be enough to get a bunch of people together and play in some kind of way that rewards winners and whatever. Um, If it all just implodes and no one else is playing, then sure, I'm not going to keep going with age of sigmar on my own and in that case i'd probably jump to 40k i'd just gw stuff it's the right aesthetic for me i haven't not really impressed with other model companies and i've read the 40k rule book seems fine seems like something i could get into and i'd rather do that than another fantasy style game i think didn't didn't your uh chaos dwarf army come from a different manufacturer yeah, well, <laughs> some of the Chaos Dwarf stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like the the other, yeah, some third party miniature companies are cool. Yeah, the other kind of game companies, Privateer and Mantic, I don't really like their stuff that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, um, I think I'm gonna explore the other games. Um, 
I, I very much enjoy game systems. Um, you know, I designed a couple of games in the past and published one. Um, but, um, I, you know, looking at everything that's on the market right now, there's, there's certainly nothing that, that grabs me the way that Warhammer did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there isn't the depth of history in terms of, of, uh, background fluff. Um, yeah, it does suck. This, yeah, I try not to get depressed, but sometimes that, that background has been with us a long since time so long you know since my gaming since first time started. i walked into a yeah. games workshop store yeah yeah and yeah so so that part is hard um so you know what i'm you know, frankly what i'm doing right now is i i am designing my own game um i so i i write fiction i've written a whole bunch of fiction um just as as a hobby i haven't in a number of years but every time i have a story idea i write it down and I, I picked some of them and I've started writing a background for this game and I'm really enjoying doing that. And I'm building out a rule set, um, trying to give it the depth of something like Warhammer or War Machine um, without the unnecessary complexity, um, which is, you know, a really interesting challenge to try and do. Mm-hmm. And I thought about looking, you know, going to Age of Sigmar and saying, you know, okay, well, here is a system that just needs, you know, um, a whole bunch of design and math to figure out a good balancing system um, and some rules refinements. And I'm like, you know what? It actually needs to be scrapped and started again. So why not just do that for something that I'm really passionate about, um, which is something that I'm creating. So mm-hmm. I got a few of the guys in the local scene who are interested in, in giving me feedback and, and helping me out and giving me moral support and brainstorming with me and yeah, I'm just gonna that's where my hobby energy is going right now. Sure. So I mean I guess the crux for GW, they moved from the kind of mass battle system to a skirmish system to lower the the barrier of entry. But but the mass battle system was what a, a lot of the um, yeah, but they kept players mass, wanted. Well mass I don't skirmish. I don't yeah, mass skirmish which is kind of weird. Really work. I don't yeah. think it's going to be mass skirmish. I think it's just going to be skirmish. Mm-hmm. The mass stuff is there just as a bridge between yep. the old and the new. Right. They are not targeting the old players. They are targeting only new players. But if they're going to be a skirmish game, then they they got to be the best skirmish game. And they're and they're not right. right? You know, not even close. I mean, it, yeah. War Machine is by far a better game. Um, Malifaux is by far a better game. Right. These are both games that that compete on the in the same sort of. I can't comment because um, I've never played them. But even if you read the rules, you would look at it and go, "Yeah, okay, this is a better game, right?" There's a quick start rules for for War Machine you can download and read through and go, "Yep, I get it, and I can see the depth depth that you just can't see in some of the aspects of Age of Sigmar." So I, you know, and say what you will about those games and those backgrounds and those models. Um, they are competition for Age of Sigmar. Sure. Right. Whereas before Warhammer had really no competition, mm. Kings of War was trying to be, and everyone just looked at it as, oh, I can get cheap unit filler models, um, <laughs> right? You know, for my horde armies. Yeah. And yeah, that's nice. You've got a Warhammer light system. Now people are actually switching to Kings of War and going, hey, this is better than what Games Workshop have put out. Um, and I'm there's I went through their forum and it's basically post after post of Warhammer refugees. Just commented, right. hi, I've discovered. Yeah, tell me what army I should be playing, you know, um, help me get started. 
Um, wow. All of that sort of well, stuff. Well, good. That's great for them. <laughs> great for them. They're they're ecstatic. They've never been happier. So it is a huge trade-off for GW. Can they possibly bring in enough new people yep, with to a... make up for the exodus? And and by all accounts, we were a pretty small, right. a pretty small portion, but... Let, I think that remains to but be seen. But they're competing for the new people as well with yeah. all those other games. Yeah, and, and that's that's tricky. You can't really see... But the problem is, is they don't have a game that's going to grab people. Right. Yep. Exactly. You can't and really see the people, the, the hardcore War Machine players being like, ooh, Age of Sigma, maybe I'll jump ship yeah, to that. And it's, so, it's such... No, like, even, even now, it's an expensive hobby. I mean, yeah. 250 bucks for that box game? No, it's you're back, one, on the New you're back in New Zealand. Oh, why is it why it's 125? You were on New Zealand to see pictures early, but it's now the, you can turn back. To, it keeps defaulting to that. So 125. Yeah. Which I for the box game, I don't think that's bad at that's all. That's not bad for the box right. game. Yeah. So let's see what happens with the rest of the models. But if you're paying 125 for a board game, you want it to be a game that can be replayed. And yeah. I don't see this being replayed much. No. No, there's no, I mean, you, you played that box set, you'll play it four or five times and go, okay, now I know everything there is to know about Age of Sigmar. Yeah, because there's no, there's no like, oh, you mean, I get it three games in, finally I get what I can do with that one weird tactic, that one weird rule that that one thing has. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Well, I'll buy the big book when it comes out. And I'm getting the and box we'll play set a little this bit. weekend. Yeah. And uh, and we're gonna play it straight out of the box. Sure. And we're gonna see. And if after the box like. and after the big book, mm -hmm. just give it those chances. And then well, if we don't like it, everybody can no, jump. I said ship, six whatever. months. I'm yeah. going full six months. I, I'm playing through to the end of Masters. I still want to go to Masters. I want to meet all the people that I've only met online uh -huh. as part of that community. Um, and you know that'll be if nothing has surfaced between now and then, um, that'll be the. Last time I play eighth, last time I play Warhammer, and and you know hopefully by that stage I'll be able to say hey here's a game you know why don't you guys test it out, mm -hmm. um, see where it's at. All right, so I don't think we're going to be talking anything hobby. We've talked pretty much nonstop about um, about this new game and and how it has affected our our uh, hobby and our community. So I think all that really remains is to. Uh, is to sign off. This may be the last podcast episode. Um, if, yeah, I know. Um, if something amazing and exciting comes where we can really get enthused about it again as a group, you know, we'll get back together and we'll record and we'll we'll publish more. But, but uh, if if things go as they seem to be going at the moment, and and then I I doubt that we'll have another episode. So oh, that's depressing. It is. I can't work up the enthusiasm to edit something that I'm not I excited don't know about. That's true, so. guys. I think we're gonna play for a few weekends, and we're gonna love it. I, ho I hope you're right, it. Tom. Woo! I hope you're right. I hope that we've just not figured it out, and it's just you know it's uh, so different that we're just in the wrong mindset. But um, I, at the moment, I don't see it. So it's definitely adios from me. Join the 40k crew. <laughs> can't do it. Can't 40 kids got so much cool stuff. <laughs> Gorkamorka, just putting it out there. Mordheim. Play Mordheim. I still got my Mordheim Warband. Yeah, back, back from the days when Games Workshop was a games workshop. I'll, right. play, I'll, play, yeah. I'll play dead hobby games all day long. Mordheim, <laughs> Gorkamorka, Necromunda, Blood Bowl. Yep. I mean, yeah. Warhammer 8th Edition still awesome. All right. 
Well, on that shiny happy note, right. I think we'll say goodnight. Night. Yeah. All right. Night. I thought we were off the air. Yeah, I'm